This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Wednesday. Freezing cold outside. I'd be happier if it snowed. At least it might sort of take the edge off some of the uh, the cold weather that we're experiencing in London. So you're probably even worse. I think the worst temperature yesterday recorded in the country, minus 12. Minus 12. I can't imagine how bad that must have been for you. The nightmare family from hell you've been hearing about. Why are they always ugly? Why are they always ugly? Why can't they have an attractive family from hell? Uh, forget tea bags. You can now buy PG Tips pods. The restaurants on the high street selling ready meals. The criminal record for the driver who peeled a banana in a traffic jam. Another person's quit a big brother. Uh, this time it's somebody of no consequence. And uh, the blitz on booze is blasted. Plus, of course, Christina Rianoff, as one of the uh, columnists has said, picking up on what we said the other week on the programme, she'd already flogged her story to Hello magazine before she let uh, fly the ripping news that she was up the duff with a bloke she's not even married to, which is fantastic. So, you know, as always, the publicity-shy Christina Rianoff, you know, dragging out that five seconds' worth of fame. Uh, also, the death sentence on the cuddly castle dog and Anne Widdicombe backs Lord Bramall. Getting an apology. Oh, and on the subject of dogs, don't throw sticks for your dog. Why? Because apparently it results in the most dreadful injuries for the owners. People have done their shoulders in, their backs in and everything else. And still nobody's claimed £33 million. £33 million. And nobody's come forward. Camelot are really slightly bewildered by this one. They can't work out why nobody has come forward. So this coming weekend, they're going to be telling you where the ticket was bought. And that's when you all get terribly depressed as you look down the back of the settee. I watched shoplifters in Marks and Spencers yesterday. Two women, let's just call them shoplifters, and um, and they had a little... They, I did report them, yes. I did report them. But the, the interesting thing was, as you know, with, with shoplifting, you can pick something up, put it in your bag, walk round the shop until hell freezes over, until you walk out the front door. And these two women, it looked like mother and daughter. And one of them had a bag on her shoulder... And I thought they didn't look like Marks and Spencer's customers. They didn't, you know, I don't want to sort of categorise Marks and Spencer's customers. But you've got a rough idea of somebody shoplifting. They had a kiddie with them as well who was able to walk. And they were picking up lobster and she looked at it and then she just opened the bag and dropped it in. Now, some pe- I've seen mothers doing this before. I've seen mothers going out there and putting it in the pram. And then when they get to the checkout, they don't bother to, uh, to check it through. And uh, they don't have a system in Marks and Spencers, which they should have, which is everything is tagged. So when they go through, it goes beep, 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 like that. Because it's toe rags like this that put, put the price up for everybody else. And so they put a fair amount of stuff in their bag. But they'd done it quite blatantly, quite blatantly. And then they were looking around. And so then I went and got one of the stuff. I said, they're shoplifting. I said, I'm watching them shoplift. He said, where's the stuff? I said, it's in their bag. And what they did, they walked round the top of Marks and Spencers and they dumped the stuff. They dumped it back on one of the shelves. You could see their little pile of food that they dumped, including fillet steak and everything else. I mean, quite clearly a pair of old scallies, the sort of people who appear on the television. sort of. Prefer- and then the next thing is, to try and cover the fact they knew they were being watched, they asked one of the managers, they said, oh, we were looking for something else round here. They had no intention of buying anything. They were just thieving. Anyway, they left the shop with, uh, with not, uh, not anything, as far as I remember. And I said to one of the girls on the till, I said, they were see-. she said, oh, yeah, they're, they're regular. She said, they regularly come in and they thieve. And there's a big fat bloke who comes in as well and they pass the stuff to him. They just thieve. That's what these people do for a living. I tell you, we might have to bring back hanging, I think, and stocks for, for people who thieve. Because all they do is push the prices up for the rest of you. 
And uh, it was it was interesting because they were so blatant about it. So blatant about it. Whereas really, I'd, I'd have them in court. I'd have them in court. But of course, most of the supermarkets don't bother prosecuting for like 50 or 60 quid's worth of stuff. But if we all did it, the supermarket shelves would be empty. And do you think if they do it for Marks and Spencers, they must be doing it all over the place. All over the place. Anybody who's got one of these bags over their shoulders that's sort of open, you can just drop stuff in it. You know, you go to any of the big supermarkets, you can stand by the exit and hear the alarms going off every five minutes. Thieving must be on a grand scale now, mainly through people who work in the places. It's mainly the majority of people who thieve. I know you get other people who do thieve, but this is uh, these were just sort of two women. They didn't look smartly dressed. They looked like they'd come from the wrong side of the tracks and uh, quite clearly had a, had a taste for the high life. Interesting, isn't it? I, I, can't, I can't resist watching it. I'm fascinated by it. Absolutely fascinated by it. Anyway, so that was yesterday. It got very, very cold. And then loads of people were saying, who is it who said to me the other day? They said, oh, I've got to do my tax and I've got to do this. And I've got all these other... Oh, it's just a nightmare for people. It really is. And uh, we were saying, you know, yesterday was going to be a very stressful day, all round a very stressful day, and the stress continues today. Not for the producer. He actually managed to get his... Uh, well, we, we think he's on track for a mortgage. He's certainly on track for spending a lot of money. And the good news is, according to the papers, that if you're a, uh, a mortgage taker-outer, uh, that it could be a, a reasonably inexpensive year for you. I said, but you've just got to be careful with these bills that arrive in. You've got all sorts of bills that go along with mortgages. It's uh, it's nice to actually own because the price of stuff goes up almost on a minute-by-minute basis in London. Certain parts of the country, it's very quiet and the market doesn't move. In Twickenham, we didn't move for years. Seriously, it didn't. It stayed roughly the same. We kept thinking. But then again, you see, I don't buy to sell. I'm not interested. I've already done the buying and selling bit. And so when you actually get something now, you kind of hang on to it. And then when the price goes up, so little old ladies who bought big houses from years and years ago, you suddenly realise that the property that they might have bought for 24000 like, you know, since the year dot, all of a sudden is worth three quarters of a million. Entirely possible around London. It really is. I mean, the price of things goes up really quite quickly, really quite quickly. And uh, so down here, we've got ludicrously high prices. And up north, um, they've got terribly bad prices. But they've said that it's, you know, the mortgage rates are going to be consistent and people will be able to afford it. Everybody talking about their favourite books earlier on. Everybody's got them. And uh, poor Dean, slightly deluded. He says, my favourite story was the story of Jesus, which was wonderful but true. I think wonderful but elaborated on. I don't think there was ever anything about the loaves and the fishes. In fact, if you really want the good interpretation of the Bible and you want to laugh at the same time, you need to read Spike Milligan's version of it. It's absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. It's very, very funny. If only it were true. If only it were true. But as opposed to just being a good story at the time and the translations over the over the years, which changed it from probably being one sort of story into a completely different story. There would have been no shepherds coming down from the fields. There wouldn't have been wise men arriving on camera. It's a great story. It's a good story, but it's it's just not true. They Didn't somebody debunk everything when they were talking about the, uh, the parting and the plague and stuff like that? It was nothing to do with what was going on. It was a case of it always happened at that particular time. And the burning bushes... Somebody was trying to explain the burning bushes to me. There is a period of time when, when, the, when the bushes sort of just burn and stuff like that. But there was no, I don't think there was any crack of thunder and sort of voices appearing from the heavens, much as though we would love it, much as though we would absolutely love it. But it's, uh, it's not. Uh, 84850, uh, Carol says, it's my birthday. I'm 75 today. 
Oh, lovely. She's I'm celebrating by listening to the show. God, blimey, you must have a bad life. <laughs> You're celebrating your 75th birthday. Do you not think a piece of cake and a cup of tea would go down a little bit better? Uh, Mark was, uh, was reading the Paddington books. My brother's got the Paddington books. And I've got a few original books. Original Paddington's, first editions, go for about 250 quid. Um, and you can buy them all over the road. Just over the road, there is a little court. I think it's called Cecil Court. And a lot of the shops down there are booksellers. And they've got first editions, people who've looked after their books and then sold them on. And some of the prices are horrendous. I've seen first edition Harry Potters in there, signed. Some of them signed. Uh, and they've got Paddington books. They've got the Mary... I bought Mary Poppins books. I've got two first editions Mary Poppins books, which cost me 250 quid each. Uh, what they're worth, and I've got no idea. They'll form part of my estate and somebody will go and flog them. I've got, you know, those toys. Who's that company that makes um, the teddy bears? Stife. They brought out limited edition Paddingtons, which actually sold out really quickly. Luckily, we'd got our hands on a few. And so I've got those. I've still got Furbies. I've still got Furbies. I don't know why I've kept them. I, I opened a cupboard the other day and went, oh, God, I've still got Furbies. And uh, those, and I've still got E.T. E, you know, the E.T. phone home. And he's got his little finger that lights up. And that's quite nice. And all these things I've kept in the original boxes. The Stife I've kept in the original box. I've not taken them out or anything. And I've also got uh, a Piglet and an Eeyore and a few other bits and pieces. Not that I tend to, I'm not a, a buying to invest sort of person. I know many of you probably like to buy. I'm, I'm probably many of you go around the second-hand shops. Well, used to be second-hand shops. Now they call them charity shops. Same sort of thing. Just means that the money goes to uh, to the charity. And it's run by little old ladies. Although some of them look slightly dodgy. You know, you look at some of the people working in the charity shops. And you think, I don't know, are you as truthful as you think you are? I see more people thieving now than ever before. You get people who put it, fill into petrol stations. You know, fill up with sort of petrol. And then they sort of just drive off. They do a drive off. And you think, my God, honestly. And then they turn up on the Jeremy Kyle show. Again, yesterday, we had sort of a couple on there. Hmm. And I think they were trying to work out if she'd hacked his phone. Whatever it was, he was as pig ugly as they come. And she's going, yeah, because I love him. But, you know, I don't know about this. I've had four months of hell and all this kind of stuff. And so you listen to this couple and their dreary, boring life. And you suddenly realise that... There is no hope in sight for these people. They have nothing to look forward to at all. There is nothing there. Their life is sort of existing on benefits and smoking drugs. And that's, and that's about as good as it gets because they cannot see any further than the end of their little noses or their tattoos. Because this bloke had tattoos up his neck. I mean, he was real ugly. You know, even in the terms of ugly trees, this one must have hit all the branches as he fell through it. I mean, he really was ghastly. He makes the ugly family from hell in the newspapers today look almost passable. Only almost because they really are unattractive. I don't know what it is about people who've kind of lost the will to make any attempt to look after themselves. One of the women, you know, she's got a stud through her chin. She's a fat, bloated thing. And you just can't work out why you've lost all sense of pride or dignity. You've got nothing about you that says, I've made an effort. And you think to yourself, surely anybody, when you get up in the morning, you're going out there, you never know who's going to see you. You want to make sure that you look your best. You know, I have my shower. I make sure my hair's brushed. Well, not really brushed. Just sort of towsel it a little bit. But you have to you have to make some sort of effort. If you're in show business or you're in, you know, the entertainment business or politics, you've got to go out and make an effort. These people, they're just fat and bloated. They don't do anything. They don't really care. 
They really don't care. And it's that don't care that when they asked whether they were sort of fighting, they said, only among ourselves. And you think, it's tragically sad, isn't it, really? The mother's sitting in some sort of wheelchair thing surrounded by blankets, and that's all they do is argue. We had it with the Chawners, didn't we? A fat, ugly, bloated family of no talent whatsoever. And now they don't like the mother or they didn't like the father. And then they turned up on the television. Actually, somebody did turn up on The X Factor. I said it would happen. I said years ago, I thought somebody eventually would go there saying, you've ruined my life. And this particular person has, uh, has claimed that The X Factor ruined their life. Social services say ever since she went on the programme, she's been attacked on the street and everything else. And the judge went, no, 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 she's more than capable of looking after herself. So uh, loads of those sort of stories this morning, which I quite like. Lauren Goodger goes out on the town. I hope not to a restaurant, darling. It's all going to be back on a bit quicker than I imagined. And um, what was it? Oh, I quite like the idea that Frank Bruno has bought a caravan. 54,000 quid. They must have seen you coming, love. It's only got two bedrooms. 54,000? God, you can buy a whole site for that. It's quarter past four. Look at the team this morning, an internal Labour report into why the party lost the 2015 election finds Ed Miliband wasn't as strong a leader as David Cameron. Do you agree? That's why they did so miserably. British people are proud of colonialism and the British Empire, according to a new poll. Should we be? Children as young as four should be taught about sex abuse, according to one shadow minister. I think that's a wee bit too young. And London's Transport Commissioner, Mike Brown, takes your calls. That's Nick and the team at seven, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Guess who's looking at the papers today? Come on, guess, get, 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 get. Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins. The firebrand is in. She's the Mail on Sunday columnist and the LBC presenter. And my personal friend. So she's going to be in uh, today. So Lord Janna, I find it very interesting that there were now three missed opportunities to prosecute Greville Janna for, uh, for... I mean, none of it even got to court. In fact, it just seemed to be dismissed, most of it. The family still keep coming out and saying um, he was entirely innocent. I don't know how these people know these things. I suppose you could have actually probably quizzed um, Jimmy Savile's family and asked whether or not. In fact, we have Jihadi Sid's sister in the paper today. You know, we have pictures of him, you know, deriding Western culture. And uh, and she says, no, it's not the person I know. He's obviously been radicalised. That's the person you need to find. Quite clearly a true denier in the first possible case. These people are so blind, they cannot see. And in the case of Greville Janna's family, they might want to believe that he was innocent, but unfortunately there are so many... I think there were 22 separate cases of child abuse against him. It's not exactly like one, is it? It's not like sort of one person's come out and they've said, well, there isn't any evidence. It appears that nobody followed it up. Nobody seemed to be interesting. And so literally over a period of years, Greville Janna's case was either dropped or they just brushed it under the carpet. They didn't really care about it. But yet, uh, you know, the, the family still insist that he had nothing to do with it, as if he's going to be doing it in front of the family. That's what amazes me. You know, that people who do these things either get jobs where they can go round and they can visit places and then and they get themselves into that kind of situation. So in other words, if you're interested, I can remember years and years ago, there was a guy called um, uh, Len... Uh, it was somebody, Adamson, wasn't it, who worked as Len Fairclough in Coronation Street. And he was accused of interfering with a child at a swimming pool. Because if you're going to want to interfere with children, you're either going to go to children's homes or it's going to be, you know, Cub Scout groups or swimming pools or holiday resorts or caravan. It's going to be all sorts of places where you know there are going to be children and people sort of manage to get away with things. His his trial made made all the front pages of the papers. I think in the end he brought his wife in as a witness and she was in a wheelchair and that swung it. But his career was never the same. 
again, never the same at all. It was uh, almost as if mud sticks. And so as long as Greville Janner's name is still in the public domain, people are always going to say he should have been prosecuted for what he did. But of course, he's never had a trial. There's never been a trial, so nobody actually knows exactly what went on until it would have got to court and then you would have found out. But uh, thankfully for him, I say thankfully, he got dementia. Of course, you can't put somebody with dementia on trial because they don't know what time of day it is. And then, of course, he, uh, he dies at the age of 87, so the family can now turn around and go, listen, he was innocent of all charges. But in fact, it never got as far as that. It just got as far as people talking about it. But it does seem very odd that, you know, you can have somebody who people, you know, have said... I mean, 22 separate cases is quite a lot. Seems a lot in my book. And each time, nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. People complaining about the price of theatre tickets. They are expensive, aren't they, now? They really are. I think Elf the Musical was about the most expensive at £245, I think. I mean, that seems like an, like an awful lot of money. And um, uh, Steve, I bought Mum a first edition Rupert book. She left her hospital after an operation when she was uh, a little girl and remembers being broken hearted. Whole family listened to you. My brother's very poorly, but uh, apparently I look like Paddy from Emmerdale. Yeah, well, there you go. Whatever. I, think I, I don't think I look like Paddy from Emmerdale at all. No, I don't. No, I don't. I really don't. Uh, 84850. If the stories of Jesus, says Malcolm, are true, all I can think of is he was the David Blaine or Dynamo of the day. After all, the people in those days were a lot more gullible. Oh, yeah, I mean, you could have actually, you could have done all sorts of things. He could have been a, a first magician, but of course, magicians didn't come along till, till a lot. Although, actually, they did have things, because in Roman times and Egyptian times, did they not have... Um, sophisticated ways of opening the temple doors. They were done by steam. But, of course, the people didn't know that. They had these burning fires, and the fire heated the water, which could open the door. So when the priest stood in front of it, went, da-da! A bit like a magic trick. The doors would open. They had all sorts of things. So I suppose that could have been early. I mean, the loaves and the fishes were pushing it a fraction. You know, the water into wine. Well, magicians have been doing that for ages. I mean, was it really good wine? Was it a cheap wine? Was it from the vineyards of Gethsemane? You know, where was it? And all this kind of thing. Also, Jesus, of course, very common name. Everybody was called Jesus. It's like being called Smith or Brown nowadays or Patel. It was a, it was a very common name, Jesus. You could go through the cemeteries and find loads of people with Jesus written on. And just in other countries, not just, uh, not just over there in the Holy Land. So there's all sorts of anomalies. You know, was he somebody who was gifted? Was he somebody that people just wanted to follow? Was it just a good book at the time? Was it a good story and it's been embellished over the years? You know, it's quite nice, isn't it? Mary and Joseph, and then they have a baby, and they've got the nutty wise men on their camels, and everybody turns up, and they've got gifts, and like, you know, stuff like, and yet nobody thought of moving into a travel lodge. Nobody thought about it. You'd have thought, why would you want to stay in a stable when you've actually got all that money? You've got the gold, melt that down straight away, and you're sharing it, in a, and you look at all the lovely pictures which have been painted, and of course it looks beautiful, doesn't it? The animals, you know, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, blah, blah, blah. And you look at you think that, whereas in fact it would have stunk to high heaven. It would have been pokey and horrible and miserable and dark. And then these people turn up with all these gifts. It's quite a nice idea, isn't it? Good basis for a story, and people in those days wanted to believe in something. They wanted to believe that if you were a good person, you went upstairs, and if you were a bad person, you went downstairs. And downstairs you didn't want to go to. Because that was where all the fires of hell were and dogs. Oh, it was ghastly. And so we've had all these rock stars who've died. The ones who really have had terrible lives. They've done drink and drugs and debauchery and all the sort of things that we don't approve of in this day and age. And they think they're going to heaven. 
I think they're down there in the fires of hell, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody from Lemmy upwards and and downwards, I suspect. Because they have lived one of those sort of lives, haven't they? The sort of life that we go, God, you're so rock and roll. You're really, you know, you've really got everything going for you. You know, people say to me, I sometimes tweet it. I say, I did so-and-so, so-and-so today. I'm so rock and roll. Whereas, in fact, I'm not rock and roll at all. Why should I be rock and roll? I'm not in the business of being in rock and roll. Just a radio presenter sits here in, in the wee small hours of the morning into the daytime because, you know, coming up in about half an hour, we've already had the 4 four a.m. spike, the spike that sort of wipes everything else off the uh, the radio calendar. And then we sort of get it and we keep it for a while, which is quite nice because people want to turn on the radio in the morning and you want something. If you're an insomniac, I've said this is the perfect programme for insomniacs. Because it can keep you fired up a bit. You can agree with it. You don't have to agree with everything. It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm not going to sit here doing a straw poll. I was sitting in the uh, in the shower this morning. Yes, sitting in the shower, listening to Ian Collins. And he had a lady on called Jenny. And it was quite a good argument going, actually. She was losing it big time and, uh, and got a bit overheated at times. But in the end, he, he definitely got the upper hand. And I quite like that. I like listening to a good argument. I mean, because I thought she was fairly good at some points in her argument, but most of it was actually rubbish. And then you listen to other people who come on who actually think that they're as good as the presenter. But, of course, that's why the presenter's got the job. That's why the presenter's got the job of doing it, because that's what they... Nobody ever tests you. That's the funny thing. Nobody ever tests you to see how you would cope in an interview situation, how you would cope if you've got somebody confrontational on the telephone. I was always told, just smile. Smiling helps an awful lot nowadays. So if, if somebody comes on and says, oh, you're so-and-so, so, you just smile. Smile sweetly. And uh, and then just sort of dis- within about 30 seconds, you've forgotten about them, whereas they seethe for the rest of the day, which is always fairly entertaining. I like the idea of other people suffering. I like the idea of other people's misery over something you might have said, which has upset them, which I think is good, actually. Uh, Tess says, I was born Smith, then married a Brown. You're right. Very common, Tess. Very common. Although, actually, did they not change it some years ago? Did they not uh, did they not change the, the, uh, the thing? And Patel... I think was the most common name in the country, Patel, uh, hotly followed by Smith and Brown. I don't wonder why Smith and Brown. I wonder why Smith and Brown. It's interesting, isn't it? I, I sometimes think about that. And um, remember it well, says Sue, Len Fairclough, married to Rita, died under a tram. No, that was a, oh, blimey, no, that was years and years ago. Years and years ago. The tram thing was in Blackpool and that was, uh, that was somebody else. Talking of Miss uh, Carriage of Justice, Hubby's been watching a Netflix series called Making of a Murderer. Unbelievable. You sit there shaking your head how corrupt the system is from sheriffs through to judges. You've got to watch this one. I like that kind of thing. I do like it, but I, I do hate the... Is it really good? The producer likes it. He's into things like that. Is it a box set or something? Is it, is it Netflix? OK. I was watching a series this morning. I don't, it, was, it was looking at, uh, at drug people. And uh, and they, these people were from uh, Afghanistan and they were running the biggest drug business worth millions in the country. And it was all these bent people who try and pretend they're all religious. And they were depositing millions in the local Barclays. Four million pounds was deposited. You'd think somebody somewhere would have gone, where are you getting this money from? It was drugs. It was drugs. And they were going in there looking like they'd just come back from the mosque. And uh, in fact, they were just drug mules. And it was coming in from all over the place. So they, they were busted big time, big time. Because there's so much money in drugs, isn't there, nowadays? They discovered a little Vietnamese couple. It's always Vietnamese couples, always illegals, tending these things. But, of course, they don't speak any English. They're just employed as gardeners to pay back the lords who brought them over here in the first place so they can thieve off the system. And they were, they were uh, deemed to be the best people to 
do this cannabis, and they had different cannabis plants, and they had this and that, and all that. And it was a huge system, huge system going on. And eventually, they they get caught out. And what we do is we sort of we sort of put them in prison, and then we deport them at the end of it, and then they just come in somewhere else. There's a bloke who's in the uh, who's uh, just about to go off to prison. He was an asylum seeker. We gave him asylum, and then he raped a, a girl. And uh, they go, you're going to be going to prison. They haven't told him how long he's going to prison for, but he's definitely going to prison. But they can't deport him because we've given him asylum. It's amazing. Isn't it? And I think they, they say he could actually get seven years. You go, whoa, seven years for rape. It's almost worth people risking it nowadays, isn't it? That's the way they, they seem to see it. It doesn't seem to be any deterrent. There is no deterrent for any of these people. The Hell family um, evicted again. What an ugly bunch they are. Here they are. This is Jane Beard. My God, she looks about the size of three beach huts. Trudy Birch, Ellen Birch, Michael Birch, and uh, the notorious Birch clan. Only notorious because they're all uglies. I mean, seriously, they are the pits, aren't they? They are everything that is wrong with this country. 300 antisocial incidents, 12 injunctions and three prison sentences. They're just louts. They're just louts. I mean, you know, they are the people. You don't want them living there. Apparently the neighbours, after they were evicted, sat in the garden and marvelled at how quiet it was because they shout and scream and use filthy language because they're just slobs. They're just slobs. They're people who've got nothing. Uh, Jane, yesterday, shameless Jane, they call her. This is the uh, the so-called matriarch, the ugliest one out of the family, said here, you know, I'm really sorry it's got to this stage and uh, demanded the council find them a new home. Why? Why, love? Of course, none of them work, I don't think. They've, they've got asbos, they made rude gestures, they've been evicted, they've done everything. They cause chaos, and they're still making lives uh, hell despite being homeless. Uh, to be honest with you, I wouldn't want them anywhere near me at all. The families like this don't deserve to even be with us, do they? We need to have a special island built for them. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere where the waves lash it, and then just go... Oh, so I'm so late. Uh, just, you know, just leave them on there, and so they don't come back and bother the rest of us. News time! Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Wednesday, the 20th of January. Do not move out of your beds. Or if you're sitting in the car, having heating on, don't move. It's so cold outside. It's so much. You don't need it, do you? So I was watching uh, the television the other day, and I think it was Lorraine. Good old Lorraine. She's got a fitness video out because she needs the money. And, um, and they cross live to America, to Hollywood, to talk to Ross King. Well, honestly, I thought it was Liberace. What has he done to his face? He looks like he's so Botoxed. Uh, his teeth have all been whitened and done. He looks ridiculous. I've never seen anybody look so ridiculous in my entire life. I thought seriously at one point, if it wasn't Liberace, it was a Thunderbirds puppet. He looks honestly peculiar. Ross King, I know he must be getting on a bit by now. He must be 70, 80, something like that. Uh, but I suspect he's probably near a sort of 40, 50, or he'll probably sort of claim late 30s. But, I mean, he really looked awful. He seriously looked bad. <laughs> I had to go and Google a picture of him to make sure it was the same person. You can tell he's had Botox because his eyes look as though they probably don't close. They look a bit sort of strange. And the rest of it, uh, uh, uh. it was ju- It was just terrible. Just terrible. Couldn't actually cope with it at all, but uh, but I do, I do enjoy and uh, do enjoy watching things like that. Uh, mainly to see what people look like. <laughs> Apparently, Steve, don't forget if Jesus did exist, he would have looked like a North African, not the blonde, blue-eyed uh, bloke as depicted by the Europeans. Yes, I know that. I mean, you look at all the pictures, and he's sort of the white, kindly man, but he wouldn't have been that at all, would he? Would have been North African. Uh, Peter Adamson was the actor who played Len Fairclough. 
So that was that one. I think he's long since dead, isn't he? Long since dead. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Just going back to the Hell family, addicted again. They're currently living in a warehouse. Best place for them, I think. Um, and they literally, they've just, they haven't earned any right to be with decent people at all. They're just, I mean, just really disgusting. And you think, well, I hope you... But I bet you anything, this morning or something like that, we'll, um, we'll actually put one of them on there. So here we've got, you know, Trudy or Ellen Birch. They'll have to try and tart them up a bit for the television, like they do with the Jeremy Kyle show. But it never, never kind of works like that, does it, really? It's very funny. And, uh, and they'll sit on there and try and justify why they're so disgusting. 300 antisocial crimes, you know. Surely even they must admit they have, they have slight problems. Slight problems. In fact, I think they've actually got uh, very, very big, uh, very, very big problems. It's not their fault, actually. Not their fault. I mean, they, they, these people are of limited intelligence. Limited intelligence. It's never going to get uh, any better for them. Their life is doomed. And uh, they'll all just probably die of emphysema or some horrible disease because they don't look after themselves. Because they just don't seem to want to look after themselves. I don't quite, I don't quite understand why they would even bother appearing in front of the cameras. I mean, they are just so pig ugly. It's embarrassing. I mean, one of them, she's got this piercing in her sort of, in her cheek. You know, you'd think actually she'd make some sort of effort to make herself look a bit more feminine. Perhaps they like looking a bit butch. Perhaps they like that kind of look. Asda staff are up in arms. If you work for Asda this morning, apparently, there's a bit of a row brewing there because the staff are protesting. They used to get free tea and toast in the morning. So they're making uh, tough decisions now. They're going to have to cut back. And uh, a worker at the store in Milton Keynes says, none of us earn huge amounts and this little perk makes a difference. So the firm are cutting 200 senior jobs at the Leeds headquarters. They fell behind the rival. There's too much competition out there, isn't there, for the supermarkets. I don't know how some of them uh, cope. I've noticed actually round here in the alley as we call it, leading down to the triangle in Leicester Square, that two of the cafes have got repossession notices up there. One of them, I'm delighted to say, has got a repossession notice because I never thought their stuff was fresh. And the the prices, just beggared belief, you can't imagine how much we were charged for a, a poultry cake and a cup of tea, £5.70. And so I'm quite glad they got the repossession notice and they've, uh, they've, they've closed it up again. There's another one closed down there too. I wouldn't like to imagine how much their rents are around here. But if you don't... Uh, I was talking about this to, to Immy on the desk. And we were saying, you know, if, just imagine you sort of set up a cafe and for the first year or two years it goes really well. And you think, oh, I'll invest some money in this. And then all of a sudden, business disappears. No logical reason to it. Because people have found somewhere else to go. They don't want to go to the same place all the time. They want to go somewhere else. And so your business disappears. And then all of a sudden, they don't. They, they actually stop, you know, uh, paying the rent and stuff like that and putting it in their own pocket. I knew somebody who had a pub in Twickenham and he fell behind with the rents. So all he did, he just had one weekend where he stuffed all the money in his pockets and did a complete runner. And uh, that happens quite a lot, I'm told, when, when sort of people cannot pay and they decide that they're going to do a runner and, uh, and yet they're going to keep all the money they've made. No intention of paying for it. And I suspect probably the same's happened to any restaurants that you've seen. At one point, we had all sorts of repossession notices going up for places. 
I'm waiting, actually, to see one on Bubbles in Twickenham, because uh, that's what... They closed, incidentally, for a week. Do you remember I talked... This is Bubbles the store. This is the ones who pinched our wheelie bin and were filling it up with their own their own paper and everything else because they were too tight. I suspect they're probably dumping their rubbish in everybody else's places at the moment because the council don't seem to be collecting it from them. And then they had somebody who worked in there who interfered with a 13-year-old boy. Why children still go in there, I've got no idea. And then they got done for selling booze to underage people. And so the council said, right, we're taking away your liquor licence. Liquor licence, I didn't know there was such a word. Uh, for a week. So as opposed to opening, because that's all they do. They just sell booze to people. Uh, they, they close for the week. So when they open up again, they can sort of carry on selling the booze. I thought they'd have taken it away completely. Selling booze to underage people. And then the next thing they're being investigated over is cigarettes. It goes on, doesn't it, really? It makes you wonder, you know, some of these places. You can just sort of, you see the end in sight. You see the end there. Uh, Steve, as a child, went to Sunday school, believed in the stories. I didn't think we believed in the stories. I thought that we just thought they were good. We thought they were good stories. That's all they were at Sunday school. I can remember Sunday school, you know, as going there. I can, I can, I can show you the place. I can see it in my mind. I can't see the rest of the buildings around it, but I remember Sunday school. Your parents would go somewhere else, and sometimes at church you go to the Sunday school, and then at a certain time you would come into big church, and your parents would be there, and, and that that worked, you know, for quite a few years actually. And then, uh, and then when I was eighteen, I realised that they were only stories. Yeah, they are stories. They're written by people. They were written by scholars. Then they were interpreted over the years. And because the interpretations changed, the uh, the stories changed. You know, the classic one is of the Virgin Mary. If she'd been a virgin, it would have been Virgo intacta. But they didn't write that. They wrote Virgin Mary. And there were lots of things that changed. Lots of things that changed. But uh, it, it doesn't really matter. If people want to believe in something, they can believe in it. That's what it comes down to. You can't... Uh, you can't actually say anything about it because people want to believe that, even though people don't seem to be bothering going to church anymore. They just seem to... That's why more and more churches are being converted either into art centres or into flats. It's quite common to see churches in flats. I know of four churches around our area where they've converted them. And so now people live in church. I've always, always fancied wanting to live in a church. I've always thought that was quite, quite a nice idea. A little bit nearer thy God to me. And, um, and there is a... There is a place that I did look at a while ago. Nine million pounds. I hadn't won the lottery then either. And, uh, and that is a church. You get the whole church. Complete in the crypt with a swimming pool. and everything. Absolutely lovely. Uh, another one here. Our prison capacity is 88,000. Has been for years despite the rising population. It's a revolving door. Rapists, murderers going out. TV non-licensed payers going in. Well, I think so too. I think so too. I think it's a hanging offence nowadays. You're right. Ross King is only 53. Thought he was older. He just looks bizarre. He just seriously looks bizarre. He's got this sort of this sort of wide-eyed court. I mean, perhaps he's using the wrong makeup. I don't know. He used to be married to a friend of mine, and um, and then he's he's now married to somebody else. Then he brought a book back. He just looks odd. He's not blessed with height, incidentally. And uh, would it? Please you for the Birch family and others if you go back to having convict ships in the Thames. Um, uh, I don't really know what you do with families from hell. They appear to, and it appears to go through the whole family. We've seen them on the television where children on bicycles are throwing bricks at cars and stuff like that. They, they come from those sort of families. They come from limited intelligence people. They can't help it. It's not their fault they're thick and ugly and stupid. And they generally thieve. They make life hell for everybody else around them. I don't know what the answer... I wish I knew what the answer was. There appears to be no no deterrent, does there, really? So I, I don't know what the answer is for this family. They've demanded a council house. Well, you can demand all you like. Let's leave them. Let's leave them. 
you know, living in the warehouse. I don't, I mean, I don't really care, but I just don't know what the answer is to them. I, I mean, I really don't know. You see these people all the time. They're out there on the streets and they just don't care. They just they don't care about themselves. They don't care about anybody else. So if they don't care about themselves, why would they care about anybody else? So somebody says, you're going to go to prison. So? So? That's their answer. So? In between, you know, every other expletive known to man. Quarter to five. Fallon on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 12 minutes to five. We're still looking for the other lottery winner, the 33. I hope they jump up and down when they're told. That's 33 million four hundred and sixty-two thousand. Whoopee! Or, uh, uh, <laughs> which would probably be the more preferable sound, I should imagine. Can you imagine, honestly. Nobody's come forward. So either they're on holiday, or they've not checked tickets, or they bought a ticket online and they haven't bothered, or they've forgotten their passwords. Whatever it is, they're going to tell you this weekend where the winner bought the ticket from. So that's what, uh, that's what everybody's very... I mean, I thought it was me, didn't I? And I went online. And I've also had a notification from last night, which was £68 million. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But, I mean, again, that's not very likely. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the fun of doing it, isn't it? And hoping that one day you do get to phone them up and they do say it's one, two, three, four, five, six zeros preceded by the number one. That's £1 million. You're a millionaire. That's what you want to hear, isn't it? That's the thing you'd be wanting to hear. But nobody jumps up and down anymore. Nobody gets excited. You just go, oh, thank you. And you go, well, should you not be very excited? And you think, I don't know. Would you, would you, it's just, it's numbers, isn't it? It doesn't mean anything. You're not physically going to be holding £33 million in your hand or a million pounds in your hand. I remember when they did it on the television and that crook Robert Maxwell was on there. And uh, that's the one who pilfered his, uh, his funds and uh, everybody suffered as a result. Ghastly piece of work, fat and bloated. Anyway, so he... Um, he sort of went on television. I think it was on the Paul Daniels show to show you what a million pounds looked like. And I think Paul Daniels vanished a million pounds. And it came on, you know, in an armoured truck and all the rest of it. And then it was put on a pallet. And a million... I remember thinking, oh, it doesn't look that exciting. You know, a million pounds in 50 pound notes. It really doesn't look that exciting. I know it is. You know, and to win a million pounds would be absolutely lovely. And you could sort of hide it under the mattress. Fill the mattress with it. <laughs> I like things like that. It might be one of you listening. One of you listening, who is the person and who doesn't actually sort of care? Diana says, I hate to have to ask, but who's Ross King? That is the, um, that, 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 that is the big question. He's sort of the American correspondent for Lorraine Kelly. And uh, so when they sort of cross over, normally it's about, yeah, she normally does him most days, I think. And, uh, and they sort of cross, and here's, here's Ross King in, in Hollywood. And there, it just looks peculiar. Whether it's his studio that makes him look odd, or the fact that he looks like he's Botoxed to the mountains and back. So that's who, Diana. Uh, the character killed by the Blackpool tram was Rita's partner, Alan Bradley. Yes, exactly. And Ian says, the Hell families don't care about us, and I don't care about them. They vomit out excuses and their rights. They choose to have war with me, and they lost. Yes, they, but they just don't care, do they? You are dealing with the, with the, with the mental ability of a brick. Seriously, they have no idea. So if you say something to them, you, I watched them on the Jeremy Carl show. They just sit there and swear at each other. That's all they do. They just swear and shout and scream. And that's their way of doing things. And then the audience jump in on it. And they're as bad as the, as the people up on the stage. You know, I've lost track of uh, how many people are sitting there shouting obscenities at each other. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's almost beggar's belief. I can't, I can't believe how these people actually get through their lives. They probably just shout at everybody, don't they? Here is this story. I have to bring you this one because this is quite interesting. This is a teenager, a celebrity-obsessed contestant, 
who went on to the X Factor. She had a disastrous audition because quite clearly she wasn't much cop. And we've seen them on there before. The people who think they have talent, but then it turns out they don't have any talent at all. And so um, this particular person here fell into depression when she was ridiculed after the show's judges rejected her. Uh, she dropped out of college, threatened suicide, and began meeting a deluge of dodgy men online. Well, there you go. Anyway, social workers grew so concerned at her decline into risky, promiscuous and self-destructive behaviour, they asked a judge to consider whether she was incapable of making decisions for herself. Yesterday, her mum said of Simon Cowell's show, it turned out to be the worst thing she could have done. Well, you know, I'm sick to death of parents who sort of bleat and blame everybody else except themselves. You know, obviously she didn't have that sort of relationship with her mother. After it aired, she got hate mail and death threats. Why? <laughs> Which, unless she was really one of those awful people on there who we've, we've seen people before who've, you know, thrown microphones down and had, you know, little tantrums on there. She wasn't the same girl she'd been. In a written statement, Mr Justice Cobb said the teenager now regards the experience as humiliating and is embarrassed by her performance. It led to a change in her behaviour. She began meeting numerous men who'd contacted her online. Some were said to have abused or exploited her before she had a toxic lesbian relationship. Chucks it all in, this one does. Social workers argued that the girl didn't have the mental capacity to decide where to live, to look after herself or to form sensible relationships. But the judge ruled at the Court of Protection that she did have the capacity to manage her own life. In other words, she's just another one of life's losers. You know, they blame everybody else and then you get the social workers and you know the opinion we have of social workers on this programme. And I have to tell you, it's not very high. They make more cock-ups, more mistakes, more children have died as a result of the incompetence of social workers. So when you get somebody who goes on a television programme, and I did say it would happen, I did say eventually somebody somewhere is going to complain about their treatment, that they were humiliated, you know, but nobody forces them to go on there. Do you want to go on the programme? I don't know. Well, don't go on the programme then, OK? Don't, don't go on it. It's a bit silly of you to go on there if you're not much cop. And people are going to laugh at you, and they're going to point. And that's exactly what they, what they did. They laughed and they pointed. I don't believe anybody, sorry, actually gets uh, death threats through being on a programme like that. I just don't think it's, uh, it's of any interest to somebody to issue a death threat, unless you really are somebody of limited intelligence, in which case then you need to, you need to get the police involved. Makes more sense, doesn't it? You don't want to go on the television and, uh, and humiliate. If you don't have any talent, and we've seen that, that those ghastly Chawner sisters turned up on the television, and they didn't have any talent at all, but they decided they were going to throw a bit of a strop because they're just attention seekers. They don't do anything. They just sort of fat and slob around everywhere. Uh, apparently, there's more grief in store for poor old Gemma Collins, but this time it involves her bloke, um, her jailbird fella, Stephen Mortimer, uh, was recalled to prison yesterday after breaking his licence terms by moving in with her. Hilarious. They've got nobody to live with now, Gemma. That'll be the second one out of prison that she's picked up. Uh, he was released from a two-year stretch for GBH on the condition he lived at his sister's house, but he moved into Gemma's flat. Oh, dear, she's only got a flat. Dear. Bit sad, isn't it, really? Yesterday he handed himself in. He said, I'm upset. I can't be there as she walks out of the house. Well, I think they'll have to push her out in a wheelbarrow, son. I don't think she's actually capable of walking. And uh, the size she's got now, she's, uh, she's gone back to it. Uh, Angie Bowie has quit the Big Brother house like she made an impact. And uh, Ryland Clark Neal, another one of those sort of slightly affected gay men, is desperate to land the X Factor hosting gig um, after beating the show's former presenter, Dermot O'Dreary, for a National Television Award nomination. Um, 
of his nomination, Ryland said, "The ridiculous. it's ridiculous to beat Dermot. He's one of the best presenters in the country. Obviously, Ryland slightly deluded, of course, as indeed we all knew. He says, looking at the list, I'm more shocked than anyone. I've been planning my gracious loser face. Yeah, practice it still. As well as the Geordie duo, Ryland's up against Mel and Sue and Graham Norton. Oh, there's no chance, Ryland, of you getting anything at all, I'm afraid. I don't want to sort of burst your little bubble, love, but uh, I think, you know, back to obscurity very, very shortly. He says here, I've no intention of leaving Big Brother anytime soon. I think they'd be deciding that one. I think they'd be deciding. It was a very interesting piece about people changing their names. And this is in the light of the story I told you of Cheryl Vestini Spagbol, who's decided to keep the name because she doesn't like Tweedy. And she doesn't like Cole, even though she's got Cole as a tattoo on the back of her neck. We call it a tramp stamp. Uh, she probably calls it something classy. And uh, so she's hung on to the name. In the same way, they pointed out that Lady Colin Campbell, you know, should have reverted back to her original name. But, of course, nobody would be remotely interested in her. As it is, her little bubble has uh, has burst completely now. She's uh, she's disappeared. And perhaps she's taken her son Dimmer with her as well, which would make it uh, much better. Um, sorry, somebody just sent me a text saying they love me loads, which is a nice thing to get first thing in the morning. It's always that. Fran says, love you in the mornings. A lot of love going around today, ladies and gentlemen. I like a lot of love going around. So, Helen, lots of love to you as well. And uh, as most TV shows are sponsored by a business, could you imagine a famous toothpaste wanting to sponsor the Jeremy Kyle show? I don't know who they... Um, they have spo- oh, actually, that, you've just reminded me of something. I thought the BBC didn't run adverts. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. They have what they call sort of hidden adverts, but in the bowls, not so hidden. Potter's Holidays all over the place. Everybody wearing sponsored shirts. There's more sponsorship on that programme. You can shake a sticker. Are they on a slice of the action? How does that work? I thought the BBC weren't allowed to do that. They're very keen, aren't they, on Blue Peter. Uh, This is a Kellogg's Cornflakes box. Oh, no, sorry. It's just a cereal box. And this is Copy Deck. No, no, it's just white adhesive. And this is sticky back plastic. It's Fablon, really, but we're not allowed to say the word Fablon. So on Blue Peter, you can't mention any brand names because they think they're on backhanders. And yet, strangely enough, on the uh, on the cooking programme hosted by Ainsley, really talented um, Harriet, they used to plug companies left, right and centre. But I've never seen so much branding on the bowls. I mean, literally, every, the cap is on the bottom, it's on the back... And yet there they were years ago, Terry Wogan trying desperately not to plug Raquel Wells' book or give it a name because they weren't allowed to do things like that. Apparently, the um, the sponsorship tags on the bowls they're allowed to get away with. I've never seen so many sponsorship names. Potter's Holidays, Potter's this, Potter's that, Potter's... And also, also the contestants wearing it. And yet every time somebody appeared on children's television with a logo, they'd come round and cover it over with sticky tape. And the BBC started taking backhanders. How does that work? How are you allowed to have all this branding? And yet, strangely enough, in EastEnders, they don't seem to have any branding at all. Even in the shop, they're very keen not to show you certain things. But I have seen product placement in EastEnders over the years. I saw it some years ago. Amazingly, by the repeat, it had been taken out. Somebody obviously went, what in God's name do you think you're doing? Very naughty indeed. But on the bowls, they seem to do it all over. I'm surprised people haven't holding up signs saying, please come to me, you know, Rajiv Patel's Mini Mart or something. Yes, I've never seen anything like it. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, so Christina Rianoff, she's turned out to be the bore of the world, isn't she really? A dreary woman up the duff now uh, with Ben Cohen's child. 
Um, I don't know what he's doing for a living. Obviously not a lot, and it depends how long she keeps him. She appears to be slightly desperate just to make loads of money, so she sold the story to Hello magazine before she went in the Big Brother house. I didn't even know she was still in there. And apparently... Oh, coming up to the news at six, you'll be delighted to know that giving an interview to Closer magazine is Danielle Westbrook's son... Uh, saying he hopes that uh, she doesn't have a meltdown in there because, you know, she's a bit like Jenga. I thought, what, wouldn't? Um, no, it's because they've sort of built her up and she's in, a, she's in a good place at the moment. So her son started doing interviews. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. I didn't even know she was still in there. Hilarious. And Gemma, she might walk or be pushed over the wall or something. Who knows? We'll have to find out. Won't we in the next part of the programme. So still trying to find out who's won that money. And also the hoverboard exploding in front of three children. Are some people so dim they never learn? They're too dangerous. Get rid of them. News is next. Good morning. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen. On LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. Welcome to a freezing cold in London town, Wednesday, the 20th of January. We've only got a few more days to get your uh, your tax returns in. I only mention it so that you don't get a fine. The Lord Janna child sex abuse probe. Three missed opportunities. I mean, literally missed opportunities. Elton John admits he does not have a telephone. That's probably to be applauded, I should imagine. Could you live life without your telephone? Uh, the nightmare family from hell living in a warehouse, best place for them. I thought a zoo would be quite appropriate. The £33 million lotto jackpot still not being claimed. Restaurants on the high street selling ready meals. The hoverboard exploding in front of three children. And the driver who peeled a banana in a traffic jam gets a criminal record. I can't help feeling yes. But do you remember we had a short while ago, and good morning if you just joined us, we had a, a case of a woman driving in over Hampton Court Bridge eating a bowl of porridge at the wheel. And I remember thinking, somebody took a photograph of it. I mean, a complete, a complete dimbo of the first order, a bowl of porridge. I mean, I ask you. But there again, if you, if you um, prosecute somebody, and she, she was found guilty, £145 fine for peeling a banana at the wheel. Because technically, I mean, I'm, this is where it all falls apart. Technically, you're supposed to have two hands on the wheel. But if you smoke then presumably you've only got one hand on the wheel. I see people, you know, driving with their knees. People who are balancing maps on the front, people having shaves, people putting makeup on. I should imagine the motorway police could probably tell you horror stories of people sort of turning round and sort of letting the person in the front, you know, steer the thing. That's how dangerous it gets out there. But she peeled a banana in stationary traffic. So in theory, you could say to yourself, well, the car wasn't going anywhere, but they would argue that she wasn't concentrating but then you see this all the time. So people drinking. I mean, I always carry a bottle of water in the car. In fact, actually, I always carry quite a, quite a few bottles of water in the car. And I'm, and I'm always doing that. If I go down the motorway and I'm driving and I need a, a drink because I get very dry, uh, then I'll put the bottle between my legs and I'll turn it with one hand and then pick it up with the other hand. So at, never, at any time, I've always got a hand on the wheel, but I'm supposed to have two hands on the wheel. So technically, I suppose you could prosecute me for sort of actually... You know, drinking water at the wheel. But then she was peeling a banana. I don't know. Is that any worse than somebody eating sweets or lighting a cigarette? Is it any worse than that? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, Christine says, you must watch The Making of a Murderer. You won't move. Is it really good? The, the producer says it's really good. But there again, he watches. He does stuff. 
things like that. So, I mean, you can't exactly trust him for everything, can you? And uh, But he says it's good. He says it's very good. Uh, Paul Daniel Steve may have made a million pounds vanish, but that wasn't as much as Robert Maxwell made vanish from the Mirror Pension Fund. I know, he was a right old crook, wasn't he? Oh, dear. Ian says, if you do the lottery online, they tell you if you win. Yeah, they don't tell you how much. You've got to log on to your to your particular site. So I, I know that I've got a winner and I know it's not a lucky dip because if you win a lucky dip, they tell you it's a lucky dip. Don't you? I mean, I, seriously, you do want that, that magic wand waved by sort of the lottery fairy to tell you that you've won £68 million and then to phone up and they go, well, wait a minute, one, two, three, four, five, six zeros preceded by the numbers six and eight. So that's £68 million. So you're a very rich person. <laughs> I quite like that idea. It's never going to happen, but I mean, it's my fantasy. Goodness sake. I tell you what I did have the other day. Do you remember my white beetroot? <sighs> Delicious. Delicious. It came hot out of the steamer yesterday. I didn't follow Phil Vickery's advice. It came out of the steamer in the shop and um, I took it home and I've eaten two already. I've eaten two already. It was absolutely, it's, 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 it's it's not as because we didn't put any vinegar with it. It was just cooked as it was. Then the skin comes off the outside, and it was delicious. People say it looks a bit like parsnip because if you cut it, it appears to have rings through it. it but it was delicious, and I had it with a prawn cocktail. I delib- that's when I saw the women shoplifting in Marks and Spencers. I'd gone in there to buy prawn cocktails, but they were too busy shoplifting the lobster in there. I should imagine. I mean, you've just got to watch these people. But I'm strangely drawn to shoplifters. I can't help it. They must have sort of flashing lights on them or something. Going, I'm about to shoplift because you can just tell. I've watched people doing it before. They just don't—they don't have any qualms about nicking. No qualms about nicking whatsoever. Whereas I would be—I would be the hangem and flogem judge. I would be the one sitting on the bench going shoplifting, ten years, penal colony. <laughs> Send them off to somewhere. I don't know where actually. Uh, another one here because uh, we're taking all your texts and emails this morning. A lot of people talking about the uh, about the sponsorship of the bowls. I've never seen so much sponsorship on the television. I thought the BBC weren't allowed to carry advertising. But there they are, blatantly, blatantly advertising all over the place. Free advertising. Are they getting a hand in that? Are they getting some money back? I mean, I don't mind if they run, you know, but, but either run, run adverts for things or don't run them. Don't sort of have some programmes running them and some programmes who are banned from them. As I say, the highlight for me is Blue Peter, where they have to cover up the word Kellogg's. We all know it's Kellogg's cornflakes, but they're not allowed to tell you that. I don't understand. You know, it's Fablon that they're using when they cover things over and they're using copy decks. But they don't tell you that, you know, and they cover up. It's most ridiculous. We used to when I used to work for Channel 5 and we had a show called Five's Company clips on YouTube. um, They would go around the audience at the beginning. If anybody had um, a, a sweatshirt on or a thing which had a logo on it, they would cover it over with gaffer tape. So you'd have all these people sitting there with gaffer tape on because it made it look as though they were advertising, whereas in fact it was just... They were just wearing logoed up products. Nowadays, you could spend your life being gaffer taped. But they don't show studio audiences very often. Well, they don't on Loose Women because mainly they look as though they're off their trolleys. Do they drink that? Do they give them alcohol before they go onto that programme? They must do something. It's terrible. I noticed the other day they had somebody on there. I think it was uh, Dermot O'Dreary. And as usual, Colleen Nolan dribbles over people. It's becoming quite embarrassing. The old fat bird with her boobs resting on the desk dribbles over any bloke who goes on the programme. Nobody's interested in her. They just look at her as kindly old lady who's barking mad, I think. Uh, Potter's is the venue the bowls is held in. So all the people in the crowd are actually there on a week-long break. And the tags on the players' arms are the manufacturer of the bowls they're using, like Taylor, Drake's, Pride. And, uh, yeah, but this, they're, they're, I've never seen seen a place so logoed up it's unbelievable 
Unbelievable. It's ridiculous. Steve said, I nearly broke my neck jumping out of bed when you said the news at six is coming up. Then I realised it was only 5am. I know, I like to, um, I like to sort of, uh, to let people know that. Somebody's told me that Nella Hall is to, uh, to lose the military school of music to wait, make way for new housing. God, I do hope not. That's part of my life, Nella Hall. The trumpeters from Nella Hall and the, uh, and the bandsmen down there. That'd be a shame, won't it? Everywhere's, everywhere now, and it's a big, they've got big grounds at Nella Hall. Everywhere's turned over to housing, isn't it? I'm surprised the rugby stadium's not got flats built into it. Might as well have. Everything is just, they've gone, they've gone mad. They've gone absolutely mad putting in all these, all these flats everywhere. Who can afford them? I'd love to live in Nella Hall. It's quite a, it's quite a, a famous place. Quite a famous place. But uh, I don't want to, I really don't want to see, uh, you know, that turned into housing. That'd be ghastly, really. Uh, It's true as my health family didn't understand what eviction meant, says Ian. I still smile recalling them trying to get back into the flat. Shame about the locked steel doors and windows. (laughs) I love the idea. I like that as much as I like repossessions. I had a next-door neighbour uh, re- repossessed many, 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 many years ago. Oh, that was a bit of a tedious thing. The wife was uh, was fiddling left, right and centre, and he was fiddling benefits. And, uh, and yet working as a minicab driver, it was all a little bit disaster. Always a bit disaster. And uh, another one here. Do you like peanut butter? Yeah, but I don't like Skippy. I can't bear Skippy peanut butter. Uh, I only like uh, Sun Pat. And only because... I was kind of brought up on Sunpats. You get used to having the same brand. And yet when you look at it, you have to stir the top of it, don't you? Because you get the uh, the peanut oil, the peanut oil on the top. And um, Bridget says, uh, look, looked at Ross Kelly. Looks like he wears a ginger toupe. Do you know, I've, I've never actually thought about that. I never thought about the idea he might have been wearing a toupee. I just looked at the face, Bridget. It's serious. He just looks very odd. He looks a bit too shiny. And I think if you've had Botox... You end up being shiny. Now, I have toyed with the idea of Botox, as you know, but my bank manager has threatened me with all sorts of things, including, you know, death by drowning and everything else, if I anywhere go near somebody with a needle, because it just, it freezes your face. And I'm not sure I want that. I mean, I do watch these programmes where you think, oh, if I could turn the clock back a little bit, you know, just a little bit. I'm not not wanting to turn it back that much. I quite like to go to bed at night and then wake up about three stone lighter. That would kind of... Mind you, I'd have no clothes to wear, so I'd have to come into work in my pants. And they wouldn't hold up either because they're in a slightly larger side. A bit more like a small tent for Billy Smart Circus. But I I do look at these people on the television who've had it. It's like every time I look at Donald Trump on the telly, I can't help laughing at his hair. His hair was sort of, it was always sort of combed. It looks like it's a comb over and under. I can't quite work out what it is. It's it's always good. I mean, it doesn't really make any difference, does it? But Ross Kelly definitely looks slightly peculiar. Slightly peculiar. And uh, 8485... Oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we read everything out on the programme. We do not miss anything at all. Uh, again, on the subject of Ross Kelly, a lot of people saying he's, uh, he's a lot older than, uh, than he is. He looks a lot older. Uh, so uh, he's 53, apparently. 53, which is good. It's good, yeah. 53 is, I suppose, a good age, isn't it? Is that the new 70 or something like that? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We'll quickly uh, whiz back to these ones here. Wait a minute, sorry, I'll just need to refresh things. Um, uh, somebody says, Ian, are they going to start nicking manual car drivers who take their hands off the wheel to change gear? I don't know. Do you know, I do not know. I do not know. I mean, in one, one side of me is thinking, peeling a banana, maybe, you know, perhaps you should have 
Yeah, but you're not driving a... a oh, you're driving a desk, you see. Driving a desk could be... Da- you could be done for being under the influence of potassium. <laughs> I like bananas. I haven't had a banana for a little while, actually. I quite not. No, I don't want one now. It's not good waving it at me like that. That sort of gesticulation kind of way. Yeah, to you as well. But she got done for it. £145. So, I don't... I mean, I'm, I'm, one half is me feeling a bit sorry for her. The other one's saying, what about people who are smoking at the wheel? What about people who are eating? I've seen people eating at the wheel. Sandwiches and stuff like... I've eaten at the wheel. I might as well hold my hands up and tell you that I have eaten at the wheel. If that's breaking the law, then I have to tell you that I have broken the law at the wheel. I've eaten sandwiches, I've eaten pork pies, I've eaten these whilst driving the car. I've drunk water. There are certain things I won't do. I'm always a bit worried about the water in case it drops on the floor and I go into a minor panic. But I've had minor panics before when I had a bee in the car. I mean, that really drove me mad. Short break. I know you're clock watching. Let's try and get it right this time, shall we? Quarter past five. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past five. Dean lives in Blackpool. He's single and happy and is enjoying life. And that's all you can hope for, Dean, isn't it? That's all you can hope for. As long as you've got health and uh, not necessarily wealth all the time, but as long as you've got health and you enjoy life. He's uh, up early this morning listening to the to the spike. And and somebody says, uh, it seems as if you're now addicted to the Jeremy Kyle show. No, no, no. It just happens to um, it just happens to be on when I'm at home. And so I happen to flip round the channels and not really being into children's television or anything that involves cartoons. I tend to watch that for a little bit. I mean, sometimes I do turn it off. Sometimes I do turn it off and I go, do you know, even me with my life, I cannot watch this programme anymore. These people are just too vile. And uh, and Billy says to me, so the, the Katie Hopkins thing, a, a joke? No, 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 quite serious. Quite serious. He's listening in Los Angeles, poor soul. But somebody's got to be. Let's have a look. I wonder what you do. Um, actor. Oh, there you go. He is a, he is an actor. He's a, look at me, honestly, being clever and working that out by myself, Billy. But uh, he says, shout out to the Brits in L.A. Hashtag Brit in L.A. But no, the Katie Hopkins thing was quite serious. Quite serious. Quite serious. And she'll be along this morning. So you'll be listening now. I love that material. He, he's got a picture on his um, on his uh, page, on his Twitter page. And the first page is of him presumably acting in something. But the material that you're standing in front of, I, I hate to tell you this, but I know what it is called, Moigashell. And I used to sell it years and years ago. It's a material from the 70s. Uh, and it came in different colourways, and people used it for kitchens and bathrooms. And it looks like flowers, but uh, called Moigashell. Called Moigashell. Uh, so he does cabaret, Christmas cake and cabaret with a live band, December the 20th, £10, at Seaton Village Hall. It's all very exciting, this, I tell you. It's amazing what you learn about people when you actually sort of look into their photos. And uh, there's you without a beard. We've had our teeth whitened, I suspect. That's, everybody has their teeth whitened. Except when you get to sort of Ryland's standard, you just look utterly ridiculous. Mind you, Ross King doesn't look too good on it. Same pic. You need to change these pictures, Billy, for oh, goodness sake. I mean, how many more pictures? Oh, we've moved it. We've now got a fan in the picture. A fan as in, like that. As opposed to, oh, love you, kind of situation. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Steve, uh, this one uh, says, you must watch Making a Murderer. You need ten straight hours, though. It's highly addictive. I do not have ten hours in... I wish I had ten hours in the day. I really did. Um, who's Ross Kelly? He's, I keep explaining to everybody. Richard, he's, he's on the television. He appears with, hey you, Lorraine. 
You know, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful. Here's my workout DVD, please buy it. Because uh, I'm not the little fat girl with the big breasts that you thought I was. No, I'm a very fit person. I have to do that every time, actually. Apparently, all sporting events in the Olympics and Wimbledon have direct marketing and advertising. Yeah, but well, then why do they stop it on things like Blue Peter? Why do they stop it on all these other programmes? You can't advertise something. Or you have to say, oh, and other brands are available. But on Blue Peter, they never said that. It was either a Cornflakes box, Fablon, or Copydex. You know, they, they just weren't allowed to use a brand name, which seemed a bit ridiculous. It's like if you say to somebody, I'm just about to do hoovering. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Vacuuming. You have to start apologising for everything nowadays because people go, "Oh, are you being paid by the company? I wish. I wish. <laughs> wish, wish it was that simple. God dear me. Uh, apparently Biggins is on the Antiques Road trip along with Leslie Joseph. Is that, a, um, is that a new one or is that an old one? I'm not sure if I've seen Biggins on an Antique Road trip with Leslie Joseph. And uh, Anne says, I'm new to LBC. Well, that's ridiculous, Anne. How old are you? Three? She says, I'm up at 4.45 every morning to get ready to bleed the people of Basildon. And uh, lights, uh, uh, sorry, life is and um, morning's much more interesting. So there you go, Carol Ann. What do you, when you say bleeding, the, do you take blood? Are you a nurse? Or are you working in the blood transfusion clinic? I'm never sure. And when you say bleeding them, are you thieving? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, talking of the misfits in the Loose Women audience, have you ever noticed them in the right stuff? It's a great programme, but they always ask the viewers if they'd like to be in the audience. But you see the same people every day. They don't have any life, I don't think. And somebody told me that they get a cup of tea, don't they? I think they get a cup of tea for being in the right stuff audience because it's only tiny. I mean, you could probably go and do it in Matthew's kitchen, I should imagine. And uh, Carla says, I'm now going to have... Toast and Marmite, because of you talking about food. I know. Well, they're they're not going to be having it in Asda, are they? Not going to be having it in Asda, because they've decided to save money. So no more tea, no more coffee, no more toast. You could eat a whole loaf, couldn't you, of toast in the morning? Um, I heard the loose women were given HRT before going on, which is why it's like a hen party when they have a male guest on. It It is for sort of poor Colleen Nolan, whose life at home must be so dull and so boring that she has to sit there. I mean, you'd have to say, listen, I don't want to sit anywhere, but don't stick me next to Colleen Nolan. Did her chat show ever take off? No, I believe it's still sitting on a shelf somewhere. Uh, giggling helps you stay slim. Ha 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 ha. No, doesn't work. Ha 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 No, definitely doesn't work. No point trying that one, is there? Um, at last, a judge reveals tragic Poppy's father abused her. So why is he still on the streets? And this is uh, four years of blunders and cover-ups. This is getting worse, isn't it? These blunders and cover-ups, or failing that, it's, uh, it's people who sort of, you know, pick on somebody, and then months and months later, and four million quid down the line, Lord Bramall, they go, no, there's nothing to, uh, to, to face charges on. I think, actually, Dean Gaffney turned up in court the other day, and, um, and they said, oh, they're, they're not proceeding with it. So he'd made the trip all the way into court to be told he wasn't needed, because they weren't, they weren't offering any charges. And you think, it's a small wonder everybody's stressed in this country. You know, why does it take so long to do something? Because people are woefully undermanned. People make mistakes when they're woefully undermanned. And that's the problem. There should be, you know, some sort of system in place that you can, you know, not make people wait. I mean, how long has Cliff Richard waited to find out what's happening with this thing? I mean, I've, I have a sneaking feeling... And I c- it could only be a guess quite clearly, because I don't know all the ins and outs of it. A sneaking feeling they're going to go, no, there aren't any charges. In which case, somebody has wasted police time by saying something happened when it quite... I mean, how do you prove 
I don't know how you prove historical sex things. Somebody says, oh, Lord Bramall did this, or, you know, Edward Heath did that, and so-and-so. How do they prove that? They've got photographic evidence or something. You know, the one, I think, in the case of Edward Heath, they said this is rubbish. Edward Heath didn't even live where this bloke said he'd been back to. And also, he would have had, uh, he would have had special branch with him all the time. You know, somebody somewhere in Special Branch who was looking after Edward Heath, but would by now have come forward and gone, no, nothing like that ever happened. But we go through this due process because they've got to investigate everything. But then at the end of the Lord Bramall thing and this bloke making all these claims, why is this bloke not in court wasting police time? There was nothing to substantiate any of the claims whatsoever. The Cliff Richard one, we're waiting to find out. He's waited months Months and months and months to find out if they're actually going to do anything. And you think, but how would you ever prove that? How would you ever prove it? Well, you know, I just just don't understand. I really don't understand it. It's all very odd. And and I'm sure the police have got better things to do than sit down writing up copious notes about something that quite clearly never existed in the first place. 84850, uk. I didn't see Big Brother last night, Deborah. Uh, Daniela Westbrook, I mean, you can't trust a thing, she says, said that Megan is a good role model and she's the sort of girl she'd want her daughter to grow up like. Well, that's fine. You know, if she wants her daughter to grow up to be a drunk and a floozy, well, then she's absolutely, absolutely right. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall put everything in on the programme. We don't miss anything out at all. Uh Who's this one here from Pia? Oh, she wants everybody to follow her. Ian Dale, James from the Vamps. Good Lord, it goes on and on, doesn't it, really? And then somebody else wants it. What have we got? Are we doing something with the Vamps or something? I know we seem to get texts and uh, emails. I will check out Biggins on the antique road trip. I definitely want to do that, definitely. Uh, another one here. And uh, this is from... This is from... Oh, depressed dads. Raising the risk of early birth. I didn't think we wanted to do depressed dads in the morning. I think it's quite bad enough, some of the stories we've got as it is. But the high street restaurant chains have been effectively serving up ready meals to unsuspecting families. Dishes from scrambled egg to lasagna and desserts are made in factories and distributed to restaurants, cafes and pubs to be reheated. I thought that was quite normal. I thought that was quite normal. Apparently the lasagna at Pizza Express is actually made in Italy and the dough for its pizzas is made in a central kitchen. Many of the desserts are produced by a third-party caterer then finished by hand. What's the matter with that? I don't see anything the matter with that at all. I mean, as long as it doesn't, as long as it's not exactly the same as you could buy. I mean, apparently many chains are supplied by Bidvest Food Services and they do ready-made scrambled egg, ready-made cheese and ham omelette, pies, curries and sausage rolls by the inch, all shipped to a range of restaurants which appear to offer their own food made on the premises. Um, scrambled eggs are sold frozen in two kilogram bags that that can be microwaved or steamed. Oh, I've long come to the conclusion that a lot of the scrambled eggs you're having are uh, are either frozen or they're um, or they sort of uh, are made on the premises. But I think most of them aren't. I think they're either powdered egg. Powdered. Somebody told me they were using powdered eggs somewhere. And I remember thinking a little bit um, a little bit bizarre, isn't it? A little bit bizarre to have powder. I couldn't tell the difference. You know, if you go to a restaurant and they make scrambled egg, I mean, I did assume at one time that it was actually eggs that they whisked up and put in the frying pan. Now, judging by the colour of them, I'm suspecting that they might not be all they uh, all they seem to be, which is interesting. Uh, still to come, uh, Lauren Goodger goes out on the town because, let's face it, she's got to stay that weight for a year. Otherwise, people will call her a fraud because uh, it's just a diet 
and a DVD designed to give her a little bit of money because she doesn't actually have anything else to do. The most expensive movie memorabilia of all time. And uh, you'd be surprised. What's the most expensive thing? Is it a car or a frock? A car or a frock? What do you reckon? And some of the cars up there are good. James Bond's DB5, the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car. Uh, There was also another one as well. But what sort of prices they fetch compared to a dress? We'll tell you very shortly. News. Steve Allen on LBC. I like the idea that ISIS have just put out uh, a statement saying that Jihadi John uh, is dead. I thought we'd already been celebrating that one back before Christmas. The murdering paedophile was uh, killed by a drone. Uh, Nathan says, Steve Allen makes my earlier starts to London so much better. He's a fleet town supporter. I don't even know what that is. It's, I'm assuming it's a football club. And uh, Mr. Mr. Bakey. Oh, I notice, actually, the bakers are always up so early, aren't they? Baking bread. And I'm, I'm quite a big fan of, uh, of baked bread. Uh, bowls, says Boulder, is probably the only sport left that doesn't do drugs or match fixing. I don't know. I, I have been watching it on the, on the television. I find it dreadfully dull. But there again, there's quite a few things on the television that I find dreadfully dull. Dreadfully dull. Uh, there was another story in the paper today about the, uh, the boss behind the Top Gear revamp. And they're sort of saying, oh, you know, is it going to work? Is it going to work? And at the moment, it looks highly unlikely. They, they haven't, they have, don't seem to, they seem to be getting all the wrong publicity for it. Whereas I thought it's just a programme about cars. That's all it is. And it was done very well by the last three people. They've now tried to sort of overhype it by saying, well, look, Chris Evans has got loads of cars and he's very rich, so let's give it to him. You know, nothing to matter with his presentational skills. It's just that people on that programme, they liked the original cars for it. You can never try and emulate it. You've got to do it for yourself, which he'll either manage or he won't manage. We'll have to wait and see. But he's a bit hes a bit of a meticulous person, so if it doesn't go the right way, I can see all sorts of problems. I think they've already delayed the start of it. And then you've got poor old Dermot O'Dreary's programme on a Saturday, which is the most boring thing under the sun. Who commissions this rubbish? Who decides that Dermot O'Dreary, who was either dropped or left of his own accord from the X Factor, is any good for hosting primetime Saturday night? Because he's not. He's absolutely not. He's doing the National Television Awards. It'll be the worst presentation you've ever seen. He'll be rocking backwards and forwards on his heels. The only time he didn't move the other day is because they'd superglued him to the loose women's set. Um, oh, Helen Mirren again. I can't be doing with Helen Mirren again. I really can't. I'm so bored with Helen Mirren. Uh, also, the photograph of the day, the Trafalgar Square fountains iced up. Well, it was cold. It was very cold. The MP's tears as she confronts the Islamic State killer's sister. Uh, this is Konika Dar. And uh, an MP challenged the sister of the IS executioner, saying, do you still think he's a good man? Konika Dahl told MPs her brother had been brainwashed since converting to Islam and fleeing to Syria. Yes, that's, it makes people into murdering paedophiles, doesn't it? That's exactly how it works. One of the saddest things, says uh, Nusrat Ghani, the Conservative MP for Wealdon, she read out first-hand accounts from women enslaved and raped by IS fighters. One of them was a girl of 12 who was raped. These are murdering paedophiles, ladies and gentlemen. Make no mistake about what they are. They're paedophiles and they murder people. There's pictures in the papers. And um, composing herself, she asked Miss Starr, these are the activities your brother has engaged in. Do you still think he's a good man? And then the, then the sister sat there and brazened it out, says, I think it's quite a good sort of sensitive topic to talk about. My opinion will always be biased because he's my brother. Fantastic. That's my brother. The murdering paedophile. Wonderful. Absolutely cracking. She says, but I don't want to associate the activities that Nusrat has just described with my brother. Unfortunately, uh, that is your brother. That is him there. He's the former bouncy castle salesman. 
thought to be the disguised man appearing in the IS videos released online earlier this month. During the video, he mocked the Prime Minister. I mean, she would know if it was her brother or not. You'd know somebody's voice, wouldn't you? I would have thought so. In the same way that Jihadi John parents then knew exactly who he was. They must have done. How can you not know your own child? You would have to know somebody, wouldn't you? But uh, this one here, she said, uh, the family had been left in the dark about he came to convert to Islam and how he became radicalised. She said, uh, after his conversion, he pressured his sister and mother to wear burqas. She appeared frequently to struggle with her answers. Said she had wishful thinking about her brother coming home. I don't think we want him back here, darling. I really don't. I'm sure that you probably do. But uh, the rest of us murdering paedophiles, I think the only you know person who's responsible for them is the Lord above. Uh, also, the sick face of British fanatics. This is uh, two twisted cohorts of the new jihadi, John, watching an execution video. I mean, these people are so simple and pathetic. It's almost beggar's belief, doesn't it, really? I don't know what you do with people like that. They're just too stupid. As long as they're not on benefits here, I don't care. If they are, let's take them away, can we, as quickly as possible. Just seems ridiculous. And then here we have um, Jibril Mohammed Faris, who saved youngsters from serious harm. Yes, they had uh, a hoverboard. Against all the odds, against all the odds and all the advice, with everybody saying, don't get a hoverboard, they're dangerous. Parents, do not get one. They're very dangerous. What did they get? A hoverboard. And so they were playing with it and his nine-year-old uh, friend and his sister, when the toy which was charging began to smoke and then <laughs> it blew up. Took out half their sitting room at the same time. He kept calm. Uh, they went to an upstairs bedroom and dialed 999. They'd been unable to find the key to the locked front door and... Um, so they couldn't actually get out. Fantastic, isn't it? Children locked in a house. What brilliant parenting that must be. Their father runs a local takeaway restaurant. He arrived at the scene and suffered a burn to his head trying to put out the blaze before the fire brigade. All five taken to Bradford Royal Infirmary. I mean, luckily for the son who took everybody upstairs, but, I mean, the sitting room's a complete write-off. It's ridiculous. He said uh, the, the father praised his son's bravery. Yeah, I'd like to find out who locked them in the house. Uh, in with something that had a danger to explain. I mean, you know, unless you've been on another planet, everybody's been told a million times about these things, that they can blow up. Even um, Maplins have got a thing on their window recalling all of them. Bring them back. There is the danger that somebody's going to die with these things. I mean, this uh, this particular family here uh, bought it uh, in Costco, in... Uh, in where they are, in the Leeds branch. But they were told there'd been a recall of the product. Letters had been sent out to purchasers. But they obviously decided to keep it. I don't know why people ignore it. If somebody's offering advice on, you know, this thing should come back in again, bring it back in, you get a full refund, because you don't... These things blow up. And so it blew up here. It's still the fact that they were children locked in a house. Locked in a house. As I say... If it not been for the quick thinking and quick actions of the son, they'd be dead now. And the parents would be going, well, we didn't know about it. We didn't know about it. Uh, on the subject of uh, Jeremy Kyle, um, <laughs> Max Miller says, it's an old Max Miller gag, it says, always carry a small bottle of scotch. So if you hit another car, you can offer the other driver a wee, a wee dram. That way, when the police arrive and ask if you've been drinking, you can say no, officer, but smell his breath. It's, it's, the trouble is, it's sort of funny and it's macabre humour, isn't it, really? Have, have a, oh, I'm sorry, you're a bit upset about this. I saw something the other day, it's one of these police programmes, it was done in Welsh Wales, and uh, they seem to have more than their fair share of drunks up there. 
And this particular case, it was a little country lane, I think near Carmarthen, and two cars had collided. Because on some of these little country lanes, out in, surprisingly, the country, then the, you have to pull in to let the other car go past. Never get a car like mine down there. It takes up most of the road anyway. And so uh, th- these, these cars had collided. The woman <coughs> then called the, uh, the police, but she'd given the wrong directions as to where she was. So, of course, they drove around for ages trying to find out exactly where this accident had occurred. It was, it was really, uh, really terrible, actually. Really terrible. Uh, Derek says, I've just paid my, uh, my water bill. I object to paying water bills. I'm a bit funny about water bills. I seem to get through an awful lot, and yet it comes down from heaven. I thought it was given to us free. I know that they have to clean it, but we're only borrowing it, aren't we? I'm not exactly keeping the water. You know, I drink it and it passes through and use it for washing up and it goes back into the system again. So you're just paying for it to be cleaned. I think I'll clean my own water in future. But um, I wonder if the quango, known as uh, Offwatch, will tell the water companies to reduce their charges. After being told recently we've been overcharged for years because of miscalculation, we need another quango called Rip You Off to cover most of the foreign-owned utilities, the rail companies, the bus companies. <laughs> I like it when people moan first thing in the morning. It makes me feel slightly better about life, slightly. Uh, Donald Trump's hair, says John, looks like somebody's run over the cat and just popped it on his head. It does look a bit odd, doesn't it? It, it, is, the, it is the oddest head I've ever seen. But uh, nice to see Sarah Palin back in again. Um, another one here. This is from, on the subject of uh, Blue Peter. Yes, they fall over themselves. Sellotape was always sticky tape. An Evo stick. Well, actually, it wasn't. It was Copydex. was rubber solution glue. I know. But it's so sellotape. Uh, sticky tape here? How they got over all the other stuff, I've got no idea. But yeah, there they are, currently flogging bowls on the television with more logos up than you've ever seen on anything in your life. It was almost as bad at the darts. But, I mean, those people you put down to... You know, that only appeals to a certain section of the population. You won't find anybody from Chelsea playing darts. I say, Archibald, should we, a good game of the old darts, you know. Do you think at the palace they play it? You imagine, I, I, uh, Mummy, Grandma, come along, come and play darts. No, they don't play darts. They might play bowls, actually. But as far as I know, I don't think any member of the royal family has ever played bowls. They've probably watched a few. I should imagine. But I don't think they've ever, ever played it. But there again, I suppose the nearest thing we got was sort of Prince William doing, obviously doing water polo, I think, in Australia. Uh, Harry, we don't seem to be seeing any of those sort of things because he's like a soldier. Well, not, not anymore. Now he seems to have vanished from that one and now he's become charity worker. Prince Edward, we're not too sure what he does in the family. He might just be sort of putting on a play somewhere or doing some theatrical experience. Actually, talking of that, I've got uh, Jesse Wallace and Shane Ritchie coming in this morning for In Conversation. They're going on tour for the first time in a, I think in a whodunit. So we look forward to that because they had some comments in the Sunday papers about the storylines in EastEnders and how they, they're becoming a little bit, little bit far-fetched. I'm looking forward to having a chat to, uh, to them this morning. In fact, quite early. They're going to be in very, very early. Very, very early. And uh, Trump and Palin. It does actually have a certain ring to it, says Dean, as if they're trying to turn the presidential elections into a comedy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Trump and Palin. Yes, it does like an old-fashioned comedy thing, doesn't it, really? I think. Um, apparently, Gary says, if we all stop paying the TV licence fee, then they can advertise as much as they want. Yes, I mean, they do seem to have their cake and eat it, don't they? That's what they seem to manage. I can remember seeing a blatant plug on EastEnders. I told you, a blatant plug on EastEnders. And it was for Royal Jelly. When everybody went berserk for royal jelly and you bought little tubes of this stuff called propolis. Other makes are probably available. And you buy it in health food shops and you drink it. And apparently it's, it's, it's supposed to make you feel good and all the rest of it. And they had a close-up of it on 
on the dining room table in EastEnders. And I remember thinking, that's product placement. That's pro- Somebody's been paid for that, or they've had a shipload of the stuff brought in. Anyway, by the time we got to the repeat in the afternoon, it had vanished. Vanished completely. There was no mention of it at all. But I remember it, and that's uh, all it is. Uh, the modern driving skill, says Steve, is always to check for cameras before taking a bite or a drink. People learn where they are. The trouble is now they're built into motorway gantries. You can't necessarily see them, and I don't, I don't know if they're actually going to catch me sort of going in or, or going, going backwards. I don't know, but uh, I know that sometimes they put a thing down saying cameras, and of course there aren't. Steve Allen on LBC. The day that Twitter went down. Yesterday, for hours, Twitter went down. That day, I got things done. I went for a long run, played ping-pong, wrote a song, got to number one. That day I did a lot, tied a Windsor knot, helped the poor, stopped a war, read the works of Walter Scott. It was such a day to seize, I learnt some Cantonese, led a coup, climbed K2, cured a tropical disease. That day I made deadlines, became king of Liechtenstein, stroked a toucan, found Lord Lucan, then Twitter came back online. That was from somebody called Brian Bilston. Which I've, uh, which I've just lifted from my Twitter page. But I got one from Michael Dennis, the black cab poet. You see, out there there are people writing poetry. His is called Local Solace, which will ring a bell with quite a number of you. Occasionally, I will sneak, OK, it's more than once a week, into my local where I seek some solace when stress levels peak. There are a lot of fools out there who every now and then can wear my patience down To a degree, it makes it difficult to see. The tunnels end that shaft of light where I can dream my future's bright. A positive to focus on so I don't feel all hope is gone. The tribulations of the day can, in a heartbeat, drift away. In moments, I can set aside where I can just relax and hide. Enabling me to wind down so I don't go home with a frown. It's where I can collect my thoughts, especially when out of sorts. I'll find a quiet corner where, if inspiration comes, I'll share a memory, a point of view that resonates, connects with you. A pint of beer, some crisps or nuts, a pen and paper often cuts through all the hassle and the grief, restoring faith and self-belief. You used to find that years ago, didn't you? You would go into uh, what was laughingly called a pub in those days, these huge Victorian masterpieces, which were full of mirrors and wonderful. The only decent one that's left now, and it had such a bad reputation years ago, uh, is the Salisbury in Upper St Martin's Lane. It's a typical Victorian pub full of mirrors, and uh, it's what they would have looked like. And people sat there, the air would have been thick with smoke. People would have been sitting there. I can remember sitting in pubs, smoking away. And uh, it was a very famous pub. It's got a history that goes with the Salisbury, but it's one of those pubs you can go into in Upper St Martin's Lane and, and you'd find somebody sitting in the corner nursing a pint all day. Now it doesn't seem to cater for people like that. Emmerdale used to have people sitting in the Woolpack. In fact, there was one bloke who sat in every episode, never said a word. Never said a word, just sat there nursing the same drink. Nowadays, I don't think landlords would encourage that kind of thing. They want, they want the fast turnaround. You know, have another, come on, more drinks, more drinks. That's how it works. They need to get people in and they need to get people out. And that's what they want. Sonia is out of hospital and has suffered with the effects of daytime television. You see, really, I mean, you should have learned by now, radio is the way forward. It's far more beneficial. It's far more educational than watching some of the dross on television. She said, what a load of rubbish. Listen to this programme. I can tell you what rubbish it is. I mean, we've had snooker, darts, and now watching paint dry bowls. I'm tearing my hair, my hair out. I'm even watching Jeremy Look At Me Kyle show. At least I can catch up on my DVDs. It is terrible, isn't it, really? It's awful. Uh, Diana 
says, uh, I was stopped by the police and breathalyzed on the motorway. Somebody had dobbed me in for drinking Coca-Cola whilst driving. No charge. I live in hope of being stopped and breathalyzed. I got stopped one time. I'll tell you where it was, actually. It was about 15, 20 years ago. Long time ago. I was barely able to drive, as you can imagine, sitting on my mother's knee. But uh, I pull into uh, Waterloo Station because I was bursting to go to the toilet, even in those days, and rush in. As I come back out, there's a policeman standing by the car. And um, he said, uh, all right, sir, where have you been? I said, I've just had dinner in town. And surprisingly... I hadn't actually had a drink because I would never, ever drink and drive. I'm just I'm just not that stupid. I need the car. Otherwise, how do you get around to see people? And uh, so he said, right. And he, he gets the, the little breathalyzer out and they explain it to you. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, maybe I've eaten a sweet. Or maybe there was something in the food that might sort of give an inaccurate reading. And in which case, I'm going to look pretty stupid. So he said, have you had any drink? I said, no, no, nothing at all. Thinking... I had, I had to think about it, thinking of any of the desserts I've had, <laughs> had any booze in. Luckily, they didn't. Luckily, they didn't. And uh, so we did the breathalyzer. He said, well, there you go, you've passed. I said, well, I told you I hadn't had a drink. I said, I, I wouldn't ever drink and drive. But, of course, I mean, that's a bit pointless, isn't it? That's a bit of a stupid thing to say. I'd never drink and drive because, quite clearly, I've seen people falling out of cars. They open the door to breathalyze them and they fall out. And you think, well, obviously, you might have had one or two drinks. So I know exactly how you, how you feel. I know exactly how you feel about uh, about being asked to do a breathalyzer because it's it's not very pleasant. Ian says uh, bleeding in Basildon is that a new Essex-based vampire reality show? I like the idea of bleeding in in Basildon. Um, uh, Sven says it's a pity they don't have real sports such as live TV's topless darts. Yes, they also had lunch ball lunch lunch box volleyball, didn't they, or something like that? Blame that on Nick Ferrari's doorstep. Nothing to do with me at all. And uh, another one here. Uh, I did see, I didn't, sorry, I didn't see, Wendy, the documentary on the jihadis next door. Terrifying to learn a hate preacher moonlights as a London bus driver. How did that happen? And has it stopped? I don't know. I know that a few of them are on benefits. Apparently they can't work, but they can go around and preach. It's ridiculous. Honestly, we must have the, the most stupid benefit system in the entire universe when you can't stop people. Oh, I can't work because of this. Well, let's test you, shall we? You're going out here. You're doing this. You do, Right, you've lost your benefits. Simple as that. You have to go and get a job, won't you? To get a job. Uh, the royal household have a bowls green within Windsor Castle. The Queen has been known to visit. She's also patron of bowls England. They don't have a bowls green at Windsor Castle. They absolutely don't. No, they don't. I know Windsor Castle very well. They've got the uh, the main keep, and that's the garden where the Queen Mother used to walk down, where they have to let the... They've got a hover mower, which is on a piece of rope they let up and down, and that's just walking around in the garden. At the very back of Windsor Castle, that's a rose garden. They might have had it donkeys years ago, but they certainly haven't got it now. I know, because I see it, uh, I see it on, a, on a fairly regular basis. Shane Ritchie, apparently, has just become a grandfather. Ooh, I'm sure he's done... Somebody have to tell me. I'll probably find out myself. I think he's just done pantomime. He must have done... So, are they out of EastEnders? Are they, are they resting from EastEnders at the moment? Come on. That time you, someone got you working this morning. Apparently, if you want a good, clear skin, drink lots of water. I do drink lots of water. I do drink lots of water. Steve, what do you mean no drugs in the sport of bowls? The bowls crowd are off their faces. Sonatogen, cod liver oil capsules. It's not nice, is it? Because all the people playing, I said yesterday, they're young. They're not old people at all. Ross King, Steve, I can just about tolerate. The one I can't stand, says Malcolm, is Richard Arnold. I know. He, do, he's, he does have the irritant factor. I think he probably knows that as well. Apparently, they use powdered egg to prevent wasted. Should they crack a bad egg into a bulk of eggs when making scrambled eggs, they then have to throw the whole batch away. 
I mean, how often does that happen? Do you get bad eggs? Does that happen a lot, actually? And uh, during the floods, says Mitch, the BBC reporters were all appearing to be sponsored by North Face uh, because that was the name on their uh, on their winter jackets. Or perhaps they have sort of, you know, cold weather wear or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm only guessing, actually. Other brands are available. Uh, Caroline says, bleeding in Basildon Hospital, taking blood tests. Yes, the vampires of Basildon. I don't know how you can do that. I've got a nurse who takes my blood and even she doesn't like she doesn't like needles. How does that work? Two of us terrified of needles. She because she's taking it and me because I inject every day. But they're only small needles. The ones that they take your blood with are enormous. Absolutely about 10 feet, 10 feet long. Uh, Sarah says, working in the operating theatre, a patient gave us some brandy chocolate liqueurs at Christmas. Delicious, but we got a bit squiffy. So glad I wasn't in your operating theatre over the uh, over the Christmas period. And Wendy says, you must be psychic. He was on disability for chronic fatigue. Must be exhausted from travelling all over to scream hatred till he's blue in the face. Blue would be a preferable colour, do you not think so? I think so. These people make me sick, they really do. They're nothing to do with... Uh, they're not actually, you know, people or anything to do with religion, as we know. Uh, 84850, uk. I'll try and put as many in as possible. On the Antiques Roadship, there are repeats from Monday. New series finished last Friday. Big in such good value for money with Leslie Joseph. Mad as a box of frogs. <laughs> I'm watching the repeats of Birds of a Feather at the moment. And uh, they are they are funny. But I told you, I've had Leslie Joseph practically naked in the back of my car. You know, as we were going off, we went to the uh, the Laurence Olivier Awards. And there was the theatre show, and then there was the dinner. And she knew that if she'd been photographed at the theatre, and she turned up in the same dress at the dinner then they wouldn't take pictures because they already had them. So she changed in the back of my car. She brought another dress and she changed in the back of the car. So I adjusted the mirror, you know, as you do, you know, just to see what she was doing. I didn't know what she was doing. I said, what are you doing? And she explained that, you know, they've already taken the pictures once, so they'll have a different dress now. And so that's what she did. She's very good at networking. Very good at networking. But I do like watching the uh, repeats of all this stuff. I, I mean, I really do. Very. And I had to go and buy a friend of mine the other day, the Billy Elliot Live if you want a treat, and if you really want to watch a really good musical for it, vanishes going by the DVD. But it's got to be Billy Elliot live, not the film. Film's good, but this is Billy Elliot live, and it's it's really it's a cracking show. It's a shame it's coming off on April the ninth. We told you the story the other day of how people who bought tickets for the last night had them taken away because they want them for celebrities, which kind of makes a mockery of the whole thing, really, as it's a working class musical. It's about the struggle of working class miners, and and they do it very, very, very well, very, very well. If you haven't uh, haven't seen it, go see. There's so many good shows in town at the moment. The other one that's coming off is Miss Saigon. Miss Saigon is coming off. You need to get to uh, to go and see that. Uh, great reviews coming in for Guys and Dolls. Wicked still playing out to those big houses. Uh, the Nightmare Family from Hell are in the newspaper today. We don't know what to do with them. They've had 300 cases against them. I mean, they just are the pits. You don't know what to do with them. Uh, they're living in a warehouse because they've been evicted twice now from property that they had. So it's... It's all a bit of a shame for their neighbours because they might be coming back. Elton John admits he doesn't have a phone. Could you exist without a telephone? How would we exist? I mean, how did you, how did we cope before? How did people get hold of you? If you weren't at home, you had to have the answer phone, didn't you? And that was about it. Lord Janna's child sex abuse probe. Three missed chances. Three missed chances where the, the police didn't take any action. Now, of course, he's dead. They're not likely to. The families say it's not true. How they know, I have no idea. 
Uh, the hoverboard which exploded in front of three children who were locked in the house by the mother. They couldn't get out, so luckily one of them had the presence of mind to go upstairs. The criminal record for the driver who peeled a banana and slimming is just one big belly laugh. All of that and more, other side of the news. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Bitterly cold, bitterly cold out there today. Wrap up warm scarves, hats. That's where you lose most of your heat through your head. It's Wednesday, the 20th of January. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nick Ferrari and the team with you at 7 o'clock this morning. Lisa Aziz here in about 25 minutes. The nightmare family from hell. 300 uh, cases against them. They've been evicted twice. They really are the pits. We don't know what to do with them. They've demanded a council house. Presumably anybody living anywhere near them is just dreading them moving back in again. They're just deeply, deeply unpleasant. Lord Janna's child sex abuse probe. Three missed chances, the papers tell us today. But the good news is it's another year of cheap mortgages. So if you're about to jump onto the uh, ladder, this could be your year. And the most miserable couple in show business are about to get a lot more miserable. This is Molly King and David Gandhi. Apparently they're having a trial separation. We've heard of trial separations before, haven't we? It generally means they've split up. I mean, she doesn't do anything apart from toddle off to charity events and he's too busy whizzing around the world modelling underwear and stuff like that. And, um, and that's it. But they're always miserable. They never look happy when they go out. They're just... Mm miserable like that. But there again, I mean, she was in a group, but I can't remember what the group was called, which doesn't really help. I'm sure she was in something terribly famous. Frank Bruno's bought a caravan. What that's going to mean, I don't know. They've actually said on the site, they're looking forward to seeing him there. They said because they've got bingo twice a week. I'm sure that Frank Bruno is going to be brilliant at calling bingo numbers. He's paid 54000 for a two-bed caravan. I can't help feeling he could have got something an awful lot cheaper. It better be something really super-duper. I mean, honestly, I mean, every time I go out to the countryside, we look at Frank Bruno's old house. I think it's his old house. And it's in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's very nice. It's very isolated. So I suppose a caravan site, he's going to have loads of people hanging around him. But uh, he's a big bloke. He's a big bloke. Uh, Christina Rianoff, we've got um, stories about her, actually, in our free podcast for today. Uh, also, the diesel diddlers. Almost all models exceed the limits. They're not very good at all. Uh, the auction, uh, which the police had, selling uh, the proceeds of crime, I think, or stuff that had been handed in and nobody claimed it. And uh, one man got the gold checked. It turned out to be uh, not as valuable as he thought it was. But there you go. And Whittacombe backing Lord Bramall getting his apology. Uh, and the NHS scientist who won an asylum battle and then raped a young girl patient. So when he's finished his seven-year jail sentence, we can't deport him because he's been given asylum here. Makes a complete mockery of the system. Uh, Dan in Essex says, yes, Shane Ritchie was in pantomime. He was in Whittington. The computer has obliterated the other bit. Uh, at the Orchard Theatre in Dartford. I thought he was, actually. Can anybody tell me, is he still, are they still in EastEnders or are they, are they resting from, uh, from EastEnders at the moment? Because I, I, I really don't know, because I haven't seen EastEnders since, um, since um, Barbara left. I haven't, I haven't watched. I've got no idea what's sort of going on. Uh, Alana says, losing heat through your head is a myth. James O'Brien will tell you. No, it's absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, Barry says there is a bowling green as was well a nine hole golf course in the home park. Yeah, it's not at the castle. It might be in home park, but it's certainly not at the castle. I'm never wrong. I don't know why people even bother trying to correct me. It's ridiculous. You're fighting a losing battle. I hold the microphone. Um, on the subject of uh, bowling, 
It, the eastern side. Yes, this is in Home Park. It's not actually in the castle at all. It really isn't. And um, another one here who says, uh, what car have you got that takes up the whole road and you're able to get dressed in the back? Uh, it was a Fiat Tipo at the time. A Fiat Tipo. Loads of room in these cars. You can get changed. Blimey, I mean, even I've got changed in cars before now. In the front. In the front. Uh, the Daily Mirror today. Elton, I don't have a phone. He's revealed that uh, he's a bit of a Luddite. How do you, I suppose because he's had people who've actually sort of done it for him, really. So there's a picture of him and creepy David Furnish. And he went on the uh, Jimmy Kimmel live show in the United States. And um, he says, you can afford a phone. And the Rocket Man, thought to be worth 270 million, said, I just don't want one. I mean, why would he if he wants to talk to... I mean, I don't know. Perhaps he doesn't keep in contact with people. I don't know. He says, I have an iPad for the kids and Skyping them when I'm not with them. That's what he said in 2013. But uh, referring to a knee injury from last summer, he said, if it wasn't for the wooden leg, I'd be in great shape. I'm having a ball, though. I've just put an album out that's joyous. Really? You see, you wouldn't know, would you? No idea that he's got an album out. I don't know. Has Elton John passed his peak? I love all his early stuff, as indeed everybody does. But whether or not it's still... uh, it's still going to sell. I don't know. Dan says, yes, the bit the computer wouldn't show was the short name. So we call it Richard Whittington. Turn again. 12 miles to London and still no sign of Richard. We know how it goes, don't we? Three chances to charge him. Just one big cover up. This is what the alleged victim of Lord Janus said. The family have said that uh, they don't believe it. Um, he was 22 counts of sex offences against boys as young as nine. But we'll never know. We'll never know, because there were no investigations. There was nothing at all. Eagles founding member Glenn Fry died after battling arthritis for 15 years. Wow. Irving Azoff also claimed that, uh, this is the manager, that the drugs he was taking for the condition caused the complications which led to his death. He was admitted to hospital in November and placed in an induced coma. They, they kept that bit uh, pretty quiet. Also calls for uh, comic Chris Rock to withdraw as host of this year's Oscars amid a row over Hollywood failure to recognise black actors. This one started off as a little a little burner and appears to be turning into a big burner, doesn't it, with people threatening to quit and everything else. Uh, pictures of, um, of, uh, of ISIS here, gunmen shooting tied-up Iraqi soldiers in 2014. I mean, just cold-blooded murdering paedophiles, that's what they are. But uh, Jihadi Sid's sister has told MPs she cannot accept he's responsible for leading Islamic State murder and rape gangs. You have to open your eyes and smell the coffee a little bit. Prophets of Dumb. I like this story. I like this. Famous predictions that turned out to be spectacularly wrong. You remember Ed Miliband was ashen-faced, Paddy Ashdown prepared to eat his hat, and David Cameron couldn't believe his luck. Uh, fair to say that the Tory victory, I suppose, in last year's general election came as a shock to everybody for months before May the 7th. The pollsters predicted a much closer result and their spectacular failure prompted an inquiry amid claims of distorting the campaign. But some of the other things, uh, one here, uh, this is from um, the American National Cancer Institute, who said smoking plays only a minor role in causing lung cancer. In fact, uh, cigarettes cause 28 percent of all cancers. Uh, there will never be a plane with more than 10 passenger seats. This was said in 1933, a Boeing engineer. Of course, the uh, the Airbus, which carries more than 850. 850 people. Uh, there is only a world market for five computers. Thomas Watson uh, wasn't a visionary in the mould of Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. Despite being chairman of IBM, he said, uh, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. 
How wrong can you be? Of course, the famous one, uh, and this came from... I wonder where this one came from. I think it was Daryl Zanuck. In 1946, she says, people will soon get tired of staring at a box every night for television. Uh, The other one, don't worry, there isn't going to be a hurricane. Yes, poor old Michael Fish, one of the most respected weathermen, but then came that terrible storm in 1987. During the forecast, he said, and I quote, earlier today, a woman rang the BBC and said she'd heard there was a hurricane on the way. Well, if you're watching, don't worry, there isn't. Oops, egg on face. Poor old Michael Fish never lived it down. That night, the worst storm in living memory hit southeast England, causing record damage and killing 19 people. Nobody really expects, though, a weatherman to be right. We just expect them to sort of go, it's either going to be sunny or it's going to be this or that. But, I mean, he got it spectacular. Don't worry. Said with all the pomposity of a BBC weatherman or a Met Office weatherman. And uh, you'll win nothing with kids in the team. Having sold Mark Hughes, Paul Ince and uh, somebody else in the wake of Man United's failure to win the 1994-95 title, Alex Ferguson started the new season with a crop of young stars. Among them, David Beckham, Paul Scholes, Gary Neville, Phil Neville, Nicky Butt, all from United's youth system. After the side's 3-1 defeat to Aston Villa, pundit Alan Hansen declared you can't win anything with kids. But the following years were among the most successful for England's greatest club boss. It'll be years before a woman leads the party. Margaret Thatcher may have won a hat-trick of elections by sensing the mood of the country, but in 72, she didn't even rate her chances of becoming a Tory leader. Years, she said, before a woman leads the party. How wrong can you be? An X-rays will prove to be a hoax said by the German physicist Wilhelm Röttgen, who is credited with their invention. But, uh, no, sorry, no, the, the society, the Royal Society predicted X-rays will prove to be a hoax. In 1883, thank God they were proved to be wrong, ladies and gentlemen, like I am sometimes with telling you the time, but I can get it right this morning because it's quarter past six. Eve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. Yes, apparently Shane Ritchie and Jesse Wallace are back in EastEnders. Kat's just discovered she had a son at the same time she had Zoe, and her father's just died. Oh, doesn't get more exciting, does it? Does not get more exciting. They always worry about things like that. Kevin the Milkman says neither of us need to worry about losing heat through our heads, what with our flowing locks. Yes, you could see it, though. You can quite clearly see it. I never believe scientists, anyway, or professors. They always, I mean, let's face it, all these people, they sort of believe in Yuri Gellers and stuff like that, so I never, I never easier to leave it, isn't it, really, to one time. Uh, Very quickly, uh, somebody else says, um, uh, not only have you admitted eating in your car, but now you say you've got changed in the front. How fast were you driving? Can you imagine if you were actually managing to change in the front of the... I mean, that would be an achievement in itself. That really would be an achievement in itself. I don't don't think it's... uh, I don't think it's likely to happen any time soon. Uh, Nigel says, appalling to see passers-by taking selfies of themselves with the preacher in the street and looking like excited fans with a pop star. No wonder these jihadi lowlifes become imams. He's turned himself from a bus driver into an icon. And last night he got himself on television for a whole hour. Yes, it's amazing who they give publicity to now, isn't it, on uh, television? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here from... uh, Philip, he says, read the complaints about no black actors nominated for the Oscars. Bollywood is the biggest film industry in the world, so where are the Asian nominees for Oscars? Well, I think they all have their own different thing. That probably comes under foreign film, but, I mean, the Bollywood market is so big, as everybody knows. I mean, you'd have to have your own Bollywood film industry awards. You can't do that. Are there... Are there, are there 
are there black film awards? I, I don't know. I mean, I just assumed everybody was lumped in together. I thought we didn't see colour anymore, but apparently we still do over in America, and they're making uh, making a big thing about it. I mean, it really is a big thing they're making. I mean, it could it could turn you know people picketing outside the Oscars, which actually isn't as far-fetched as you probably think. Adele is more powerful than ever, according to the newspaper, and also the tragic toddler robbed of justice after the, after the police blunders. And this is, this is a, a child who died. I mean, it's, it's absolutely appalling. The father who sexually abused a tragic baby who's 13 months old, the, fa- uh, the, the, the father will escape trial. I don't know why. Poppy Worthington was found with serious injuries, later pronounced dead in hospital. Father arrested and quizzed on suspicion of sexual assault. Uh, decide any wrongdoing, was never charged with any offence. Yesterday, the High Court judge said on the balance of probabilities, Mr Worthington perpetrated an assault on Poppy. However, Mr Worthington has been told he will not face charges after a bungled investigation into the incident led to an absence of evidence caused by mistakes in the initial investigation. And uh, the IPCC is now due to present its findings following a second inquest. I mean, what a... Tra- we've, you know, we have these tragic s- things, which are these crimes perpetrated against little children, of which they have no say in the matter whatsoever and as a, res- a result they die and then nobody's ever found guilty of it i mean it's it's just it's just absolutely appalling it just breaks your heart doesn't it really uh, more on the british fantasies gloating at an is execution video they're rather sick pathetic people as i say if they support things like that and the sister just as bad i don't believe my brother is the new jihadi john really Well, there you go. They've shown you the evidence. I don't know what more they can do for you. Uh, The owners of a historic castle face a legal battle to save their dog from a death sentence after it bruised a waiter's nose at a posh wedding. This is Sarah and Robert Hay, who own an 11th century castle in Devon. They've received a court summons saying their Labrador doubly is dangerous. follows an incident at the wedding venue when the dog jumped up at a 15-year-old waiter who later had a rabies jab as a precaution. Even though the owners say there was no bite and the teenager didn't complain, Devon and Cornwall Police have issued legal proceedings. A hearing before magistrates later this month will consider the summons which calls for the dog to be put down. Oh dear. Recalling the incident, Mr Hayes says it's rather unfortunate he says he saw somebody coming out of the kitchen and jumped up to see if there was anything for him. Unfortunately, somebody got a bruise. It was not a bite. And uh, they say the dog is viewed as a welcome addition. It's all a bit embarrassing, is it? Dogs, I mean, what on earth was the dog doing there by, by the kitchen door? You have to ask that question, don't you? More on the, um, the NHS scientist who worked uh, for the NHS after being granted asylum in Britain, uh, now facing jail after repeatedly raping and abusing a young girl. He pretended he was medically examining Cameroon-born Adong Eshu, began abusing his victim when she was just 11. But uh, because he's been granted citizenship, he cannot be deported when he's released from prison. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. And Whittacombe says Lord Bramall must receive an apology. He said, it's, it, you know, it would be nice... But he's not sort of holding out too much hope. Anton Deck have said that they're going to host the Brits for the last time. Who in God's name are they going to get to replace Anton Deck? I mean, I thought they, they were the only people available to start uh, hosting things. But they've said no. Perhaps they've, perhaps they've thought they're a little bit too old for this kind of thing now. I don't think they are. I mean, they, they still look, you know, fairly young. Their presenting skills are possibly the best they've ever been. Please God, it's not D- Dermot O'Dreary. I couldn't cope with that. At its peak, Friends Reunited had 23 million users and made huge fortunes for its founders, but after 16 years, it now can't compete with modern rivals. 
Um, I suppose when it was first set up, and I remember people getting quite excited that you could match up with people who went to your school and stuff like that. And I tried it. Nobody wanted to match up with me at all. So I don't know how successful you were. I think they've already had people on LBC who said, yeah, it worked for us. We sort of met people and we caught up with people. But I always thought if you hadn't seen anybody for a number of years, why would you want to catch up with them now? They've all changed beyond belief. They've all either got taller, shorter, bigger, fatter, or they've died. And in which case, why would you want... You know, some of them have died. You know, if you went to school, you know, very early 30s, there's a chance they, are, they aren't alive anymore. So you go, oh, I always find out, when I find out what happened to sort of LBC presenters, I just ask my friend Chris. And I go, what happened to so-and-so? And he goes, oh, so-and-so happened with them, or they died, or they did this and that. And then when we had the big LBC reunion, it seems like ages ago now, I mean, that was literally a who's who. That was your life. Flashing in front... Oh, sorry. I, was, I, was, I tried to demonstrate flashing in front of me, taking the microphone out. Uh, the front pages of the papers for this Wednesday, the 20th of January. Britain in the grip of a dementia epidemic. Don't think we disagree there. The interest rates stay low for years. Homeowner joy. Bad news for savers. Isn't it always the case? The governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, has forecast the basic rate is unlikely to change from its current record low of 0.5%. So homeowners looking to remortgage, that's good news. It also means savers will have to endure paltry returns on their investments. Miserable, miserable, miserable. In uh, front of the Metro, who killed Poppy? Dad sexually assaulted baby. She died shortly after the attack, but nobody will be charged. I mean, it, it is appalling that a child cannot even get that sort of recognition in this day and age in this, uh, in this country. Too cold for your mobiles, apparently. Uh, it hits mobiles. Smartphone users reported a string of technical problems. I never thought about that, actually, but I'm assuming it could affect, couldn't it? You know, not being able to use your mobile. Uh, also, celebrity big brother Angie Bowie quit. I mean, who cares? Why, why would we be re- remotely bothered? We've lost David Guest, Angie Bowie and some other bloke, all too boring to even mention on this programme. But Christina Rianoff uh, left the house last night. She was kicked out, mainly because the public don't like her. She absolutely is not liked at all. Uh, but, of course, she'd already sold her story to Hello! magazine about being pregnant. So by the time she told people in the house, you know, she'd known about it for ages and decided to sort of milk it for all it's worth. Apparently, she's said to be absolutely delighted... I'm sure that Mrs Cohen is equally delighted as he's got two other children to look after. Now a third. You'd think, actually, he would have been a little bit more careful, but obviously not. The Birch family, here they are. Don't scum back. Get out and don't scum back, is the headline. They clock up 300 antisocial reports, 12 injunctions, three jail stretches and two eviction orders. They really are the ugly family from hell, but I bet you anything they'll turn up on this morning or something like that. They go, would you like to come on the programme? We'll try and tart you up and make you look a bit, uh, a little bit better. And they'll put them on there, and the next thing, they're given a reality show. That's the way it works in this country. Eat to beat diabetes, says the Daily Mail. Uh, the ski blondes home searched after businesswoman... Killing Europe's threat to UK over refugees and the pension blow for 1.5 million. The Sun, it'll be all white on Oscar night. The Black Stars boycotting the racist awards. I've never thought about it before. Seriously, it's never crossed my mind. I don't see things like that. The tide of refugees filling Europe. UK to take more in rule change. We're stuffed, say the Sun. I don't know how many more people we can take. Uh, The Daily Mirror, another year of cheap mortgages. Great news for homeowners, bad news for savers. 
bad news for savers. Unless, of course, you just won the lottery. Uh, and, of course, nobody did win it last night, so I haven't won £68 million, And it's a rollover, a double rollover, which only manages to achieve the dizzying heights of £9.9 million. Hardly worth bothering, is it, since Camelot have changed the odds so that it's nigh on impossible to win the thing at the moment. Uh, vet tells owners do not throw sticks for dogs. Apparently, you get all sorts of problems here. Uh, one of them, a collie called Maya, got a stick wedged in her throat. They said, don't do it. Don't do it. They had to have substantial operations on this thing. That's just about it for this morning. Thank you so much. I hope you wrap up warm today. It's going to be freezing, freezing cold. And if you're already up and out, you know exactly how bad it is. I'm back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. We have a free podcast for you up very, very shortly, which concentrates on the celebrity world. Well, as I say, the celebrity world, the Z-listers, the attention seekers, who we, we know who they are, and the names are in the frames for this morning. So that'll be up. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. If you like listening to LBC and you go abroad and you want to know how you listen to it, you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and you download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet, and thereby you never miss a moment. At seven, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. It is Katie Hopkins looking at the papers. Right now, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.